0: know who's trying to kill you don't humor us we're not in the mood he wears a dirty brown hat he's horribly burned he has razors on his right hand who is he his name is freddy krueger he was a child murderer before he died and after he died he became something worse. Six years ago, he killed my friends. He almost killed me. Why is he after us? Yeah, and what did we do? It's not you. Your parents, my parents, they burned him alive. And now we're paying for their sins. You are the last of the Elm Street children. It's the Invasion of the Podcast.
1: And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, just eating coffee by the spoonful. Stedman, that's what I'm doing right now. It's got to stay awake. And uh, to my left is uh, Steve. Um... I don't know. Which, which dream power do you want as your own out of what we had here?
2: Uh, I want to be bad and, uh, and beautiful. And beautiful.
1: <laughs> Good call. All right. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, uh, The Dream Warriors. Um and uh, we we might have some difference of opinions here, probably not but you know maybe like I like the idea that our difference of opinions is gonna be a matter of degrees and not like like <laughs> not like diametrically <laughs> opposed. This is gonna be like I liked it. I'll be like, I didn't like it as much. And that's what's gonna hear and it's like, that's it we're done.
2: no. so maybe we should change the show to like two guys kind of like things <laughs> like. I don't know. Like, there's never any tension where the two of them fight about what they like.
1: One of the reviews we have on Stitcher was just like, "It'd be best if if people would argue more on the show or something of that effect." I'm just like, if you want people just to take sides and be terrible to each other, then just like, I don't know, go outside. There are a lot. There's a lot of
2: that going on, and there are a lot of podcasts that do that. And I
1: feel like you know, it's. And I know as much as I always seem to be the contrarian and and want to tear down. That's not my go-to immediately, but I feel like it's much easier to to jump on something as opposed to just talk through it, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, even if we come out, like, on, on the same side of something, I still think the conversation has merit, you know? So, but yeah, that's not, that's not like Dream Warriors is going to be the thing that breaks us. It's not going to be... <laughs> it was Steve's last show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it was the movie he picked. I don't know what happened, but yeah, yeah. Um, talking about some dream warriors (laughs) gonna have some news here in a second talking about other franchises that we've talked about before uh we're gonna have a game at the end it's well it's more of the box office barometer in regards to uh 87 when dream warriors came out and we'll be surprised and shocked at What made more money than that movie and then what made less money than that movie. So that'll be fun. So yeah, um, but as as is customary here on Invasion the Podcast, we're going to talk about our weekends. Um, And I know you had a party that I was invited to, but I could not make it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, we had a Halloween party on Saturday, um, had a lot of last minute, like, cancellations, so it was a smaller party than we anticipated. That but stinks. I don't yeah, I do that like, happens. Yeah. Um, I canceled well in advance, so I'm- <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I, uh, I dressed up as, a. uh, uh Cleveland's own uh, super host. Um, if those of you who grew up in the Cleveland area or surrounding areas like. know who Superhost is, he was a uh, TV show host on Saturdays on Channel 43 WUAB. Okay. Um, and he would usually do like from like noon to six, and it was always like uh, monster movies, or he would also show. Um, runs of like little rascals, stooges, stuff like that. So um, it was where you would go on a Saturday if it was raining, and you didn't have anything to do, or it was cold out, or whatever. Like that was the place where you like got all your like old school goodness from during those days.
1: Because well, like you, you did the side by side picture on like you know, on uh, your Facebook, and I, that was really good costume, like like for you know like recreating that. But I was just like, should should I? Should I know? <laughs> and it's like, and I feel like I was like, I feel like there's something here I'm missing, and it wasn't. So I felt like it was on me. Yeah. Like, and then when you explained that, I'm like, oh, I didn't grow up in the area, so I yeah. didn't pick up on that. Like, but I feel like I've been here long enough. Like after seeing like Big Chuck and Little John and uh, Gulliardi and everything, you think I would know Superhost, and I. I did not know, like mm-hmm. so. Good costume. That's on me to not
2: know that. Like, you know, a-
1: <laughs> like if you were dressed up as Michael Stanley, I'd been like maybe, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I chose to go uh, super host as opposed to Michael Stanley. So,
1: well, is that like so? Um, is there any other like Cleveland celebrities that you dress up as? Like, uh, like what was it? Mark from uh, what was his name? Mark, the guy that was always like. If you can't get credit from me, you can't get credit from anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Is like, he high? I don't no. Know like he that always said, like the, the he always said the, the weird muted voice, and it was always like the late night TV commercials for <laughs> furniture. It was like, do you know what I'm talking about? No. no. Okay. Um, yeah.
2: Because uh, if you can't get credit from me, man. Like, no, no, I don't no. Know. Because like, he... he
1: actually was attacked as a child uh, by a dog, so his vocal cords got messed up. So he, oh my God! No, so an asshole. <laughs> what's just i'm gonna look it up like you've never
2: heard this guy like um uh, i'm pretty sure i would remember that
1: oh like because he always had these weird commercials that would be on in the middle of the night they play like right after saturday live came on yeah um i uh, mean i
2: guess the only other like cleveland celebrity that i'd have the the physique for might be like 90s era drew carey i guess but (laughs) you know i think that's about it Um, um to, if I could type this in, around, I'm going to try
1: to do a Google search for weird Cleveland furniture store. Okay. Um, I bet you get more than one result. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, Nolan uh, Norton Furniture is that? Yeah, his name was uh, uh what's his name? His, his last name was Norton, and he would do these weird, weird commercials like
2: uh, you so you, like here. Was, was he like um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in? Oh. Uh, that's that's playing on my phone real loud, but uh. In uh, Punch Drunk Love, was I, <laughs> was it those type of commercials?
1: I maybe I that's that's a mine. I might have not seen it. Oh, but yeah, the Norton Furniture guy. Like you don't know if those look familiar to you at all? No, no. I know. I'm pausing. The big here. triangle in his chest is throwing. Probably off. maybe here.
2: I'm just gonna play it without sound. Does that ring do anything? bell or yeah, nothing yeah i mean i think so but i mean to be also fair like that looks like every other furniture commercial no that's that's
1: seen. fair so two things about this guy one years and years and years ago i was at a theater in elyria where they're doing a um a showing of evil dead this is back before like revival screenings were like a thing yeah so we went we went out there and he was actually in the crowd they're like we have a special guest uh i think his name's mark norton from norton Virtue. and he stood up and just kind of waved to the crowd like holy crap it's that guy um, so that was weird. Like that, like that's the kind of celebrity you come out to Evil Dead. Um, and then uh, a couple years ago, Taco Bell during the Super Bowl, they um, they did this targeted marketing of like five um, TV markets where they would find find these like five different like local like celebrity types that had these weird commercials. Okay. So you saw a Norton's commercial during the Super Bowl that would break into a Taco Bell commercial like here. But oh, then wow. there was, like, four other markets where they had whoever that was known over there. Yeah. So, like, we are watching Super Bowl. It's like, what is this guy doing on a Super Bowl <laughs> ad? And it was, like, amazing. So, anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. But yeah.
2: Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was super host. Uh, <laughs> not this guy. Not yeah. not Mark not, Norton of Norton Furniture. They probably not even Mark. I don't even know. But,
1: uh, <laughs> if you can't get credit from me, you can't get credit from nobody.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Because my vocal cords messed up. I'm not <laughs> because I'm God, a wise stop. guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Saturday night was spent uh, sit, hanging out in a costume and drinking. And then... Uh, as, as is most
1: weekends. Yes. Let's just
2: be honest. Um, and then Sunday was spent sitting around sleeping and like, were you, were you hung over at a costume on Sunday so I wasn't like hungover like I, I find that I don't like I don't really get hung because I don't like I don't like go hard like you know if I was in my 20s but like um, most of the time I'm just I'm more sleepy than anything yeah. anymore yeah. like if I have too much to drink it's like the next day I'm like real groggy yeah that's that's, so. that's fair yeah yeah um.
1: But yeah, so it sounds like you had fun I, I'm sorry I couldn't make it I was uh I was a late addition to a wedding like as an invite not not part of the wedding um I was a friend of mine uh, she was getting married at the uh, Cleveland Museum of Art yes and so we were in the atrium. I say that it was like all, I was there yes uh, it was <laughs> like. It was, like, the fanciest wedding I think I'll ever be at in my life. Like, it was crazy, like, mm-hmm. what was being, what was going on. Like, um, we were in that, like, the atrium area between, like, the the new entrance and then, like, I think, whatever, like, because they, they've added to the museum, right? That's the whole thing, right? Like, the original entrance, they've added to mm-hmm. the front of it. So we're in the atrium, and that's where, like, you know, full bar, all this wonderful food. It was a black tie affair. No one told me this. Not that I was, like, showing up in, like, board shorts and, like, you know, like, a, like a, <laughs> with, like, a puka show necklace or anything. But, uh, no, like, it was a shirt and tie, but it wasn't, a, you know, wasn't a black tie. Um, but... It was like this is like a, the party was so fancy at the art museum. I was expecting the Joker to like break in and like rob the place. Like <laughs> that was how fancy this was. Where you just expect to be like, oh, Gotham's elites here. Then it's like, oh, shit's about to get real. That's right. how fancy this felt. Like I was waiting for the penguin to show up and just like start, you know, barking out orders. That's
2: how fancy this wedding was. That's a compliment. Like if you expect supervillains to show up. That's a good wedding. So this is this question's probably gonna say more about me than anything. But like do you feel uncomfortable where you're in like a super like a pa- place or like an event that's supposed to be super fancy? Like I feel out of place. Like one of these yeah. things don't belong. Like I just I feel like Yeah, no, I, I so thankfully.
1: I wasn't the only idiot at the table I was at. It was a lot of my friends. So, like, we all, you know, so that was nice. Uh, We were table one, which I thought meant like, like, oh, like that usually when they do tables for weddings, it's like, oh, that's important. We were the last table in the corner. So I think they started counting with one. Yeah. So thank goodness because we were a loud bunch of assholes in the far, far distant corner of this whole thing. And so. I had a blast. Uh, so, I, did I feel like I belong there? No. Uh, did I know that my friend who was getting married wanted me to be there specifically? Yes. So, I think that since we we're all having fun, that, that that's what she wanted, you yeah. know. So that like, not that, not that I was acting up just to be like, look at me. This is why you invited me to this wedding. <laughs> no, but it's just it was it was a really it was a good time. And then if people if people were uptight for like the amount of like just like. Like I said, open bar. It was the bar was so fancy that you couldn't tip. That's how that's how much money was spent at this place. Like you couldn't wow. give money, um, so I was okay with that. <laughs> but um, the food was amazing. It's like, but it's like they had a live band and a DJ. Like I don't know how that works. That's, like the DJ yeah. for the first part, and then a live band in the second part. If you if you couldn't have some fun there, then there's something wrong with you. And If you couldn't let yourself loose a little bit, there's something wrong with you. you see, know? but that, so.
2: that to me makes me feel like you know I'm got, I've got to be on my best behavior. Now oh, i in you know. such a fancy place. No, did
1: you see the the picture I posted of me looking through the clear uh, dinnerware? Like I was holding no. it up like a magic mirror, like it was romper room, like I was looking through <laughs> to the look plate. That photo. Yeah. So I I um yeah I did not um I mean. I, I didn't steal any art or anything. So, I mean, they better not, you know, no one better ask about it. You know.
2: Checking your, your bag when you're yeah. leaving. Yeah.
1: So, no, it was fun. It's just, it was like my second wedding in like less than seven days. Yeah. And it was like, that was, it's a lot. And then, um, and then I was preparing for something that I did last night, which, uh, uh talking about, um,
2: uh, the other show that I do. Yes, yeah, so let's uh, get to yeah. the heart of the matter. Like the wedding's fine, but like you had something really big last night. Well, I mean, <laughs> bigger than a wedding. No, not bigger than a wedding. Fancier than a wedding. Uh, with,
1: with my other hetero life mate, Kevin, uh, Steve's mother, other other hetero life mate, uh, Kevin from Strange Highways. We did a live a version of our show, Strange Highways. Uh, it was um, it was awesome, but it was also very stressful. So, um, yeah, uh, I I wasn't stressed out at all watching no. it. <laughs> well that's you know that's good because i I would not want anybody to be stressed while watching a facebook live thing no like we we've always kind of talked about on that show how we do like like we talk about the twilight zone and it being short like you know anthology horror and we've watched other things that are anthology based that it'd be fun to do like a radio show not like, like not just like you know a call-in radio show, but like an actual radio drama type of thing. <laughs> um, and so we decided to put together a little thing, and we had a lot of like a lot of fun doing it. And and, and um, people volunteered to help read the script and and do like everything. We had uh, uh, Kevin's friend Andy uh, do the sound effects, and it was it went way better than I was ever hoping it could be for like throwing this together with like like pretty much under a month yeah. of like freaking out and constant work to get it done. So yeah, it was fun.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, uh, the actors were all really good. Um, I was really impressed. Like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, uh, mutual friend Ryan Lux was – I thought he did a great job. I mean, all the actors were good as well, but uh, I was telling you, like, he came to my party Saturday, and we sat and had a conversation. Now that he's a celebrity, you want to name-drop him. Yeah, we hung out Saturday. Um, Famous actor. But uh, I honestly think he missed his calling because, like – just knowing what he talks like normally, like I thought like, wow, his intonation changed as an actor. Like he seemed really like Like during you your know?
1: party, you're like, listen, I know this Facebook like event's gonna make you like into the stratosphere. <laughs> don't forget me. Like you don't forget like, the little people <laughs> who
2: dress as super host.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Ryan did awesome. Everybody else did awesome too. Like I I couldn't have asked for more um uh, this, uh, people that were excited for this and they they knew what they needed to do and it was great you know because yeah. like that could turn sideways in a hurry where people would be like oh, I want to do this and then the moment the camera turns on like they freak out like I kept making Garth from Wayne's World jokes like like you know <laughs> like this is awesome not nah. <laughs> <Nah. laughs> you know like I was waiting I was waiting for that like moment of freak out you know yeah. and it didn't happen so. No, it was fun. It was like it occurs to me it was the first time I've done anything like live in front of an audience, probably since college when I used to actually do radio. Yeah. So, yeah, it was um, stressful. I, I don't know about you, but I always feel better once something is done versus like the lead up into doing it. Oh, so yeah. Um, like, I, yeah, I had a great time. I can say that now.
2: I Not- think you're missing the lead,
1: though, here, too. You also wrote that. Yeah, I mean you yes, I, I Give yourself some credit, sir. I wrote- uh, I did write I wrote like a 6-minute radio play. I don't know how long it was. It was maybe 15 minutes. I did write it. Yes. I um I because I, we were trying to find one to do and it was like other than like you could, it's it, of all the things that you can steal on the internet, you can't find scripts for radio plays easily available. Not that I want to steal things, but hey, if there's radio plays that've been out for like 50 plus years, I'm pretty sure that's kind of fallen into public domain, you know, I would hope so. Um, And it was just one of those things I couldn't find anything. And then I found, like, these little, like, for sale on Amazon, like, you know, I, I mentioned this one on the, the broadcast last night. There was like these little, um, like fifth grade workshop books of like you could do like something in front of a class of like five kids. And I'm like, I really, I don't want to do a fifth grade play, and I, that's why I, I made the joke during the show. I was like, I wrote this for a sixth grade level, you we know. Should, so we should
2: do that for one of the games here sometime. It's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I wrote it.
1: And it was it was fun. I didn't like we, you and I've talked about this like off off air, uh, so to speak, about the writing process and the challenges, and then what you hold yourself up to you yeah. know like I, this isn't high art but I wanted it to make sense and I wanted the jokes to work and I wanted the story to make sense because you could easily just write 20 pages in this and be like that's it but I wanted it to mean to actually to to go somewhere yeah. you know so and I hope it did um and I hope the jokes were funny because I think that like it's me I'm personally biased I think my jokes were funny um so uh, yeah, I I, I um, stressed out about it. Uh, my wife helped me figure out the second half of it uh, a couple weeks ago. I was pacing madly in our apartment, and and I I don't know about you for the creative process. Do you sometimes use a sounding board to not necessarily give you ideas? But just as you're talking out loud to be like, you need someone to kind of say something to you to be like, yeah, that doesn't work. And then you move on to keep talking. Like, I have a hard time. She gave me some good ideas, but a lot of times it was more like me, like, kind of trying to work through something. And I feel like I need somebody to kind of listen to me as I'm talking.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I write with uh, Ryan um, on, like, our previous projects, The Abominations of Science, we wrote that together. Whereas I'm more of the lead on the right Slasher. Uh, the way we would write is, is it was very loose, very like, let's come up with ideas, let's, you know, um, we'll figure out dialogue together later, you know, let's just get it down. With The Saturday Slasher, like, it's it's basically me, and, like, I will sometimes go to my wife and ask her certain things, but then I also have a... I have this thing of, of wanting to please, so I don't want anybody to know about what I'm doing until I feel like it's ready, so... That's fair, yeah. Um, I sometimes... Because, for instance, one time I was putting together just a sticker that we were going to give out at conventions, and I was worried that the, um, the type was too small. And, like, simple question, all I wanted to ask my wife was, is this type too small? And and she was like yes, and she's like you know, and I was like good. I'm gonna scrap this. She's like well, don't throw it away. And I'm like you're missing the point. The only reason I asked you was is because I thought the type was too small. I don't want to proceed with this idea. <laughs> but she she was like you know like you know she says I'm too sensitive, which I probably am. So like so, I'm not. But you had to
1: fight about because she called you sensitive, right? You're
2: like, I am not. <laughs> How dare you? You know when it comes to the artistic stuff, so. Right um and i also have no like qualms about throwing something away whereas you know she's like well you know she thinks it's a harsh response to criticism where i'm just like this wasn't going where i wanted it to go i don't want to put more time into something that's not working for me already okay that kind of thing so my sounding board is usually like hey does this suck (laughs) it does (laughs) throw it away i well like
1: So, I mean, I I think creating a podcast is different than, like, writing a script uh, because you have your bullet points and you kind of talk about it, right? But, like, for me, like, I don't know about you, but it's like I kind of want to hit these guideposts as I write, and I want particular lines to hit when they hit. Oh, yeah. And it's like – and so it's like for me, even like this is a small little radio play, there was points where I'm like this has to make sense to me because otherwise I don't know where I'm going with it. So – and I keep – Fucked with things here Um, because I'm passionate and talking with my hands, and and, which you can see on the broadcast because I talk with my hands a lot (laughs) on there, Uh, but you can't hear it here. Uh, So yeah, it was like so uh, yeah, I did write it. It's the first thing I've written in like you know that's actually been put in front of people in like forever. So I was super self conscious about it until so hearing people say your dialogue out loud caused me like you know to not look at them as they're like reading it because i didn't want to like because it became real and i didn't just like i hope this works so yeah. you
2: know which is funny too because uh i i read it beforehand I, I read uh the story uh a week ago and he was like this is shit why are you doing this and i'm like <laughs> i don't know and then i gave him notes and told him to throw it away he called me too sensitive and then we had a fight about it <laughs> no but f- For instance, a lot of the line readings weren't as I had read them in my head, which is interesting because it makes me wonder, like, I've never had anything that I've written been read by other people. And I'd be curious now to hear, like, somebody read something, Mm -hmm. you know, that I've written or, like, The Siren Slasher, because I have very specific voices in mind for that. I'm kind of curious now to hear, like, what that would sound like coming out of, you know, someone else's mouth beyond what's in my mind. Yeah, So I'd say that that's really, you know... Um, or that that was a really interesting aspect of it to me. So
1: that's fair. And and hearing you know the the, the guys uh, and the gals like deliver the lines like there was bits there that I was hoping that would be emphasized, and mm-hmm. then there was other bits that. I didn't know should have been, and they picked up on it, and they ran with it, and it was a good time. And again, like I said, it's not high art, and if you guys want to go Strange Highways, it's on Facebook. The video's up. Uh, You guys can check that out. Um, Kevin and I talked for a few minutes before, and then there's a little, you know, the whole thing, and then we kind of wrap it up. So uh, not to, you know, talk about the other podcast, but it was a fun little event, and we were hoping maybe to do it again next year, so.
2: Yeah, I I hope you guys do. I think it'd be fun.
1: Yeah, you should write it, so then that way we could read your words out loud. (laughs)
2: All right, well, no, no. <laughs> If you put want me on to, the yeah. spot.
1: Yeah, all right, you guys heard this 363 days from now. Although Steve's, I think no. Ryan
2: agreed to to write it, now that I think
1: about it. Yeah, you? like, everybody's going to write it. I don't want to
2: write it anymore. <laughs> like, I, uh, I'm
1: good for 15 pages, and that's it. So, um, yeah, uh, very short stories, I guess. No, anyway, so, yeah, it was a uh, stressful time. On top of, like, I, you know, so we record here in my office. We use my equipment. I had to log all that over to Kevin's place, and so... Today's just been a mad rush to put everything back together so we could do this show. So I've I've not stopped. So um, this would be nice to kind of sit down for a second and talk about stuff and not have to do anything. So yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was our weekends. Um, uh, you, you saw Halloween, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, I did not see Halloween. I saw a Neil Breen film called uh, Twisted Pair, which um, it's hard to describe what I saw. Yeah. Um, Neil Breen, you guys should look him up online. It's uh, you know, his name's Neil. It's N E I L, and last name Breen, B R E E N. Um, just find some of his trailers. Like, just do yourself a favor. It takes like five minutes. Is this film like now available digitally? Can we buy it? Like, <laughs> I have in- no idea. Um, I I have his other movies were available. I have he's he's made five, I think. And I've seen three of them in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like um, he looks like a disheveled uh, corpse of Gary Shandling. I don't know how to describe uh, that otherwise. But he made his money in real estate in Nevada, and he makes these movies that he feels are important. And they're just they're God awful, horrible. But he's so sincere that it's just you can't look away, you know.
2: So and then this one, he plays himself and his twin brother. Now I, my take from watching just the trailers is they're very new agey as well, right? Yes. There, okay. Yeah, he, like this this whole
1: thing, you could tell that he bought a lot of stock footage of like. Um, like someone, someone's definitely looking at like something like a, like a, like a smart glass phone or some sort like, it's just like a complete transparent yeah. like display and they're looking at things. they he comes back to like, like three times. So you could tell that he was like, I'm buying this cause it's, it looks good. He just puts voiceover over it. There's a lot of badly inserted green screen in this. It's, um, we've, we've talked about some bad movies here on, on the show. Um, we've not, we've not went Breen. Like that is like, that is like like shocking dark was a bad attempt at like aliens and Terminator. That's as bad. And it was a hard movie to watch and you guys can fight us. Cause we didn't really particularly like that film. We have people that I know that like it. I don't understand why. Bre- Neil Breen films are just a mind trip. And, Maybe, maybe here when we slow down a little bit for like the fall and going into winter, maybe I could sit you down and watch a
2: whole movie so you'll know how I feel like that may actually be one that we have to get together and watch.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. no, like I have a couple here. Like, I think his film Fateful Findings was available on Amazon Prime for free to watch if you have Prime. I have, the, we do have Prime, so we have the film called Pass Through, which was the one previous to this one. Um, so the best thing too is at the end of this movie called Twisted Pair, he played what was his character? It was, um, something altier. I forget the the first Cade Altier, I think whatever his name was. And so the movie plays and then the credits start the credits start and it says Cade Altier will return. It's like he pulled a marvel. <laughs> he pulled a marvel <laughs> moment at the end of the movie and the whole crowd there at the Capitol Theater lost their minds cuz Did he yeah. put in an
2: after credit scene though? He,
1: he uh kind of okay. it was <laughs> it was bad but it didn't tease anything it was just uh, just a double image of him and his twin I put that in air quotes because it's him and then him wearing a really shitty beard and mustache like and a hoodie yeah yeah um anyway it's just it is crazy stuff so um yeah I need I need to show you Neil Breen and if people you guys need to Google Neil Breen. And just watch it, and then if your brain melts a little bit, then he did his job. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, enough about rambling about the weekend. Let's just uh, – we'll get to news because I know there's more more stuff to talk about. That's that, right. Uh, yeah. Good news, everyone. So uh, the first part of this is uh, uh, Halloween – uh, the new movie that came out this weekend, and Steve didn't see it. No, that's not true. Um, but it broke a lot of records. Yeah. Um, so the big thing is, uh, it earned uh, seventy-seven point five million domestically over the weekend, and um, and I guess it opened up some other markets. It came out to be ninety-one point eight million for a Halloween film. Right. Like. Uh, it had $10 million dollar budget, so it's already well past. You know, Bloomhouse Bl- is uh, you know they're they're good with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like it, September. Sorry, it's September. It's October. Sorry, October openings are weird because like there's movies that have had success, but this is the time of year. It just seems like nothing. I don't. I feel like the rules are being changed now, but it feels like after the summer blockbuster season. Like it kind of falls off a little bit, and then you get into mm. the Christmas time with some of the bigger, you know, bigger swings for like family fair or whatever, or the late push for some awards. But there's like that, that kind of dead zone between like like the first of August until like around Thanksgiving, Right. you know. So, but that's been changing. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like it came out last year. Sorry, the film It came out last year, and um, like October, late September, and it just did gangbusters, you know. And then with Venom came out recently done is done better than than you and i expected yeah <laughs> honestly I,
2: I honestly like i still i haven't been swayed into seeing it i mean i'm sure <laughs> that when it hits like hbo or whatever uh netflix i'll i'll give it a watch but i when it still... shows
1: up on, on tnt right like, even more edited <laughs> yeah.
2: um but yeah venom was definitely a surprise um and i think Halloween fell about three million short of its opening. So it, a it, Venom's opening. Yeah. yeah. A Venom's yeah. opening. Yeah. So it didn't take the all time, uh, number one opening for October. But, uh, the movie itself, you know, I, I honestly, I, I felt like this was going to be huge anyways. Like I, it's been in the air. Um, no matter where you go, like it yeah. seems like people are very interested and excited for the new Halloween film. Um, my non spoiler review of the film. Um, I don't know if you want to, yeah, sure.
1: you what we do? Unsolved Mysteries, sure. We'll, we'll do <laughs> what has happened to Haddonfield. Update. So, uh, (laughs) uh, Robert
2: Stack, the ghost of Robert Stack, has been walking around
1: (laughs) Haddonfield and be like, You can solve the mystery of Michael
2: Myers. (laughs) The non spoiler review is is that I liked it very much. Uh, I would say that the third act is definitely the strongest. Out of any of the sequels since the original, um, the last half That's high praise of it, that
1: the, the third act's probably, like, that's the reason to watch it. That that says a lot, like, you know, the best part of the movie's the end.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I really love the ending. When we got to where we were going, I was like, wow, I really dug that. Um, you know, what's funny, too, is, is that before... Well, I shouldn't say before last week when we were talking about the film, you'd mentioned that like one of the things that's coming out of came out of early screenings was um, the use of humor in the mm-hmm. film. There isn't a ton of humor in the movie, but there is one one character, and I I don't think I'm spoiling this by saying this, but there's a little boy who's kind of the comic relief at okay. certain points of the film, um, and that can work fine. And like it's it, I don't even know that it's a criticism of mine. It's just that. Um, he's he feels like somebody wrote him and he's got like snappy like dialogue okay. um, particularly cursing and I don't know why I, I guess it's the old man in me I'm not one of those people who's amused by like hey look it's a little kid cursing isn't that funny mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know like so that's just not something that works for me
1: it's funny that you say that because when we talked about The Last Starfighter which was uh, directed by Nick Castle yeah. who is sometimes the shape in this film because, uh, I mean, clearly he's older, so he can't be the shape all the time, right? <laughs> like, some yeah. Of the, um, but, like, the younger brother in that, like, he was kind of, like, saying ridiculous things. So it makes me wonder if, like, there's still
2: that kind of, like, it was leaning towards... But that like, felt natural. Like, yeah. okay, so, for instance, like, the kids in Stand By Me curse, that felt natural. This yeah. felt like somebody was, like, writing it for a comedy okay. relief. Um, and... Uh, that was my you know, my thing when I came away from it, looking at the humor, because I was just like, well, I'm like, I can see why it didn't work for most people. It's not really, for me, it takes me out of the movie a little bit, but it's not something that I walked to the theater going like, oh, they ruined Halloween. Like, you know, it is a franchise that at one point had Buster Rhymes fighting Michael Myers, so...
1: Which I did not see that moment of that scene until you... Like, I'd watched the Honest Trailer that you had linked okay. on the Facebook
2: page, <laughs> and I'd, I'd watched the
1: Honest Trailer, and it was like, that... like. I've heard jokes about it. I didn't realize how bad that was. Oh, it's terrible.
2: Yeah. It was not the time to fire it up. No. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the movie, um, it, when it comes to the rankings, like I'm seeing a lot of people, it's interesting because uh, rankings-wise, like I feel like it's too early for me to really try and figure out like where I would place it because, ironically, with a Halloween series, I feel like, it's always kind of in flux for me. Sometimes three moves around. Um, and I don't know exactly where I put this. I will say that I, I liked it, so it definitely falls in like the top third of, of the franchise. But I, I don't know where I, I rank it. I need at least a little bit more time with it and maybe a couple more viewings. But looking at critical responses, not from reviewers, but from fans, you know, on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, wherever on social media, I should say. Um, <laughs> just out in the street, street. you're just walking along, <laughs> you're like,
1: Hey, see how we, it's like, yeah, it wasn't that great. And you're like, Screw you, you're like, you know, and then you're like, I'm too sensitive, you know.
2: Like. <laughs> Well, what's odd is is that it seems to be for whatever reason now everything has to be Star Wars because there is half of half of the responses I've seen are like the new Halloween is the last Jedi of of Halloween movies and that like what's it that takes really it mean? means that it's taking it in a bold new direction. And then the other half, where people were like, "Oh, it's the memberberries version of Halloween," because, <laughs> so, and I'm like, so you so can't have it awakens, both ways, it's yeah, the Force awakens. essentially. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have half the people saying it's nothing but memberberries, and the other people saying it's it's. A bold in a direction. I, I didn't think it was either of them. Okay. There are specific I, there, I think
1: that's the best praise so far is that it's not it's not it knows what worked but it's still doing its own thing.
2: Look if you know Halloween there are winks to the audience with certain things that pop up in the film. There's definitely uh, symmetry that's created with the original like okay. and they've been upfront about that it's not like suddenly like you're like oh my god I can't believe they're bringing this back from the original or they're they're mimicking this or whatever like it, it's kind of been all over their campaign a
1: well the, from the moment they announced jimmy Lee curtis was involved right. you and, and and they said that they were ignoring the rest of the films how do you bridge that gap between the first one and this one which has been 40 plus oh, like f- almost 40 years yeah it's been 40 years yeah so how do you do that you have to have some of that connect tissue so
2: yeah yeah so i mean i i don't quite understand either argument um I will say that Jamie Lee gives like, a fantastic performance. Actually, everybody's really good. And I, I didn't mean to like harp on that kid because he's perfectly fine. He just felt like somebody who was being written for. Like, no, that, that's a valid. That's a valid. Statement, it was like you know. somebody dropped Arnold from Different Strokes into a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a <laughs> Halloween movie. What are you talking uh, about, Michael? <laughs> but uh, that—that's really the biggest takeaway from me. I'm hoping to see it again. I. I took Halloween day off so that I can hang out and just relax and then give out candy that night and then I think when trick or treat ends in my neighborhood I'm going to head to the theater cuz I've never seen a Halloween movie in the theater on Halloween so I think I'm going to try it good do call. That. Yeah. So. So you like the movie though? Yeah, I, I liked it very much, you know. I mean there are always things that we can nitpick. I mean I don't think there's any movie that I've seen where you know at least not looking at it with a critical eye where I don't you know have some sort of thing that i can go well i wish this would have been different but you know (laughs) well but considering like how how near and dear
1: the franchise is to you that this could have either been it could have been a huge stumbling block
2: it could have been it could have been like it could have been halloween resurrection or (laughs) you know halloween five or you know there's so many bad examples in the franchise itself so um and I will say that I, you know, I in referring to H 20 I always felt that that was kind of a missed opportunity. There were some great things in it, but it never really got over the the hump. Whereas I feel like this gets over the hump. I feel like it, it takes full advantage of what it has in, in front of it. So okay, good so, and great Carpenter score. So uh,
1: I've been and, listening to that. I was at work listening to that. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I was I was listening to it without hearing without seeing the track names because I know you warned me about that. Yeah, and yeah. there
2: there is. Two specific spoilers in the track <laughs> listing, so yeah.
1: But I was just like someone had whole, the whole thing up on YouTube. and I've been listening to it. It's like, but which also makes my work feel much more sinister. As I'm like doing it, I'm like either I'm stalking somebody or someone's stalking me. I don't know what's going on, but you no. Look
2: out of the corner of your eye, and there's Michael standing yeah. behind you, and then you look away, and then he's gone again.
1: I don't know the, the new score though. It's like I feel like I feel like with Carpenter working with his son, and then there's someone else with him too. I think it's his other son. Maybe you know I, yeah. I don't know. It's, I feel like they have. Like, he st- he has certain sensibilities. So I was listening to his uh, his Lost um, Lost Themes yeah, album, really great, album, which is too. good too, but. It definitely feels like a certain time frame. Mm -hmm. Um, There's tracks in that that I'm like, this should have been like the third Escape movie, like like theme, right? Um, But this is like, I feel like they they've kind of they've kind of drug. Not drug him into the modern age, but there's some sensibilities there that's like it pairs up really, really well. Yeah. and I and I dig it, so it's a good soundtrack. Like I haven't seen the movie yet, and I love the soundtrack. Yeah, it's sorry it's, score. Yeah, it's very effective yeah. while you're watching the film as well. Yeah, so. I'm and the Buster track track's amazing. That that no, that didn't happen. Um, so <laughs> in this movie, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, there's Steve's uh, spoiler-free review. Halloween, go see it. Um, yeah, and I I hope to go see it soon. I just haven't had time. I was uh. Doing things, weddings and stuff. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, next next story is uh, we have we're talking about franchises.
2: That's not really a franchise, but Orion uh, is Orion still a thing? Orion Pictures. They brought Orion back okay. a few years ago. I think the Belko experience experiment was their first like release under that. I didn't realize that yeah. the actual Orion name was still out there or came back. Yeah. Uh, there there is um, some talk of doing a Night of the Comet remake. Yeah, which is interesting. We literally just talked about that three episodes back. Yeah. Um, and I was curious. One for somebody who just because you'd not seen it before, that correct? Well, no, I, I think I seen parts of it. Okay. but I, yeah, the whole thing, no. Um, having now just seen it, what
1: are your thoughts on a remake? Um, I think it could be fine. I think I think that it's like if you because there's so much of that that was like we talked about the strong female characters, but there was still kind of like a valley girl like yeah. sensibility to it that. I feel like you could still do a modern update and still still hold true to strong younger female characters. Um, it makes me feel like I, I wonder how it would deal with the age of social media with some of that because the whole thing, their whole thing was well, the radio station's still on. Let's just go there. Mm-hmm. That's not the first thought you'd have anymore, you know. Yeah. So um, I feel like they could do a right one. And, and I know what was it? Um, there is. Uh, I was looking here. It Looks like um, someone's going. Who's set to write this? Uh, um, Oh, the name here. I'm sorry. Uh, Roxanne Benjamin is, um, so it's a female that's going to be in charge of doing, Mm -hmm. writing, and directing the remake. That's exciting. I think that's a good move. Um, Especially, like, it's funny that we talked about Halloween 4 last week, and then you saw the whole story about... um, uh, was it Jason Bloom uh, that they're talking? He said that he couldn't find any female directors to direct horror films. Did you hear that story that came out like last week no. after we recorded? No, um, I didn't. Of, of Bloomhouse, he was like, "Oh, if I could find a female director, like I would do that." And so his statement was kind of tone deaf, but he was also saying that um, he's offered other projects to female directors and they haven't accepted it. But his statement is, "If I could find a female director to, to do a horror movie, I would." So it's kind of one of those things where it's like. Uh, the director of the Duke, I can't remember her name, but he he offered her a project that, didn't, that he didn't say what it was. She turned it down. But that's different than going to a director saying, what do you want to do? Right. But he said he couldn't find a female director to do a horror film or else he would say, I would go ahead and do that. So everybody kind of came out the woodwork and was like, here is all these lists of female directors working that, mm-hmm. that should make horror films. Um, I'm not sure if her name was on the list, but I think that's exciting to get more – female voices involved in horror, you know? So, cause it's a perspective and, um, I think that will help. Um, cause there's so many tropes when it comes to horror that we just assume we just, we take for granted now that is from a male perspective. So having a female, uh, like led remake of Night of the comment that was already with, um, that was already taken into consideration of girls at that time, because the director and writer went around and interviewed all those people kind of like informally to kind of come up with a strong idea Mm-hmm. Um, all the better, you know, like, cause it, it's, it's, it's a fun movie. It's not a perfect movie. So I think there's plenty of room to improve and go in a different direction. Yeah. Just get your back involved and I'm okay. <laughs> no, not really. No, no. I, I think, I think some of the more looser threads of that film could either be excised completely or taken a different direction and you can have a lot of fun with it.
2: Yeah, so. I'd say that's fair. Yeah, um, my only the only thing that gave me pause was reading the article. There was something along the lines of it. I, I want to say it said that it was going to focus less on the comedy and more on horror sci-fi elements, mm-hmm. which is perfectly fine. But I hope they don't lose the comedic element because that movie wasn't like laugh out loud funny. It was just that it had a specific tone.
1: If you still have sisters that yeah. are the main focal point of the story. I want them to feel like actual sisters, and like the younger sister, I don't. It's not that you have to have beat for beat. You're right, but there was some decent like toss off like moments of just like, yep, they're young girls. That that's how they're going to kind of react to that. Right. And, and then the whole thing of like, daddy sh- would have bought us Uzis. Like, I don't want to lose that kind of like. They're so self assured mm-hmm. that they don't like the weapons that are in front of them. You know, like I just, I I need that. I I don't know. Like that's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough line to walk.
2: Because, I mean, like, if I'm looking at it from a, you know, just a critical, you know, perspective as far as what I think could be updated, I think that, yeah, the horror elements definitely could be a little bit more... Is that's the thing that I always, you know, going back and thinking about the, the film, that's the thing that I always get stuck on is is that it's, it's always darker in my head than when the actual reality of the film was. <laughs> That's so, fair, yeah. Um. I certainly see where they could go with that, but I hope that they don't lose some of the comedic elements because, you know, comedy is, it's, I uh, can't talk. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, the one drinking, not Steve. Yeah, I, don't I, I don't know, it's weird. I don't know. tonight, folks. Yeah. Uh, my whole thing is, is that, you know, when you take that out of it, it's part of its appeal, so I think it shouldn't be removed. Like, completely. If if,
1: if if that movie existed without the comedy, I think it'd be a very forgettable movie. Right. So, you uh,
2: know, you know it, it's like saying I'm going to do a gritty reboot of Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> like, what? what?
1: <laughs> We're going to take out the relationship. I'm going to call it Dawn of the Dead now, yeah. like just because it rhymes with Shaun. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So and I don't want to be one of those people because I'm not certainly somebody who is just immediately you know against remakes because let's be honest the thing is a remake yeah um, a, you know the a Fly which I know A6 we talked Fly. about like,
1: there's, there are successful remakes that take previously what worked and either like extrapolate and make it like more effective yeah or they I don't, it's just, we're, we have another story here in a second we're going to get to that also speaks to this as well the potential of um, but Like neither the comment, like I feel like because it's known with like, you know, within certain circles, it's not necessarily a go to film that you would name off the top of your head of like give me eighties horror films that I think that gives it more room to work in. Yeah. Like, you know, if you did they certainly uh, have more
2: leverage to be able to change what they want.
1: Like so if you said I'm gonna do a remake of Halloween, like which I mean, I know It's already happened seven times, but um, but if it's just like oh, we're gonna take what kind of worked, but we're gonna add like. Even even if you took it in a way different direction than zombie, people would be like, "There's there's these tenets of this that you can't get away from." Like mm-hmm. like even two years ago, there was that remake of Poltergeist that no one saw, which I've heard was terrible,
2: but no I, one saw it. I've seen bits of it. Uh, it was on HBO. And my wife was watching it, and I came in and out of it. But, but I
1: feel like that's one that you could have remade, and it would have been like if you would approach it the right way, it could have been really effective. Yeah. Um, like it is in effect a remake of the TV series, right? Mm-hmm. And it's effective. Um, in a lot of ways. So I'm not against remakes. And I like the fact that they're, that's going to come from a female perspective because honestly it was coming from a straight st- st- uh, telling standpoint and a character standpoint of, of, you know, female, but I, but having, I don't know, like, I just think that it, it's, a it, there's good potential here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, I, I guess, until we get more information I'm I'm all about it. Like I I've I've really turned my mind around about the idea of remakes to things because it's like, you know, how do we go, how are we going to find something that we um, if you don't take a chance, then what's the point of trying again? You know, I don't right. know. Like so, like so. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I guess I guess the whole thing is we'll see. And I, but it, right now, fine, do it. Like uh, talk about remakes. Like even uh, Carpenter redid um, Village of the Damned. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a perfect movie, but he he tried. To 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 bring something of his own to it, yeah. Um, you know, so it happens, you know. So whatever. Anyway, dead horse beating it to the ground right now.
2: That's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I could barely talk uh, like two minutes ago, so I think we're doing okay.
1: <laughs> so last story here in our news, that's you know, like because that's what we do. Uh LeBron James is set to uh, produce his his um his company that he has launched. Um, was it um Spring Hill Entertainment? Yeah, Spring Hill Entertainment is uh, supposedly going to do uh, they're trying to get the rights to Friday the 13th which that's that's a mess so good luck with that. Yeah. But they want to do a reboot of Friday the 13th. I'm not against this, you know. And I feel like LeBron James grew up in that time where like th- like I feel like this is something that like he probably watched all these movies as a kid and has loved it and wants to do right by it. I yeah. feel like so um there could be worse people producing a remake. Right. So, I don't know how I don't know how you feel about this because it's another franchise that you hold dear.
2: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the actual idea of, you know, what they're going to do with it, that's where, not really a sticking point because I'm going to see it probably no matter what they do. Well, What do you but think the, of the most
1: recent Platinum Dooms remake of it?
2: So, I would describe that in the same way that I describe H2O. There were things in it that I thought were decent, but it felt like a missed opportunity. I feel
1: like that. Uh, I didn't mind the new one. Uh, when I knew it's like what five years old now, something like that. Uh,
2: it's like close to ten. It's like what? 2009. When okay, that sure. Came out.
1: That that's probably right. I don't know. I don't yeah. have time anymore. Um, I feel like they just rushed the development of, of the Jason character and they took a lot of shortcuts because the audience is already familiar with it. Yeah. Um, like the introduction of the hockey mask was so stupid. Like that felt very like we have to bring it in now. It's like, you don't have to, the idea of the update of him being more of a survivalist. I like that. Um, but him having like an underground series of tunnels that he made himself. Yeah. Kind of dumb.
2: Not really my cup of tea, nor no. was the fact that the film felt kinda glossy. Yeah. And part of the appeal of those movies is they're a little down and dirty in the sense of like they're grainy a little bit. They're they you can tell that they're filmed on location as opposed yeah. to I kind of, and I'm not saying they might have actually filmed on location, but that movie feels like a soundstage to me.
1: So, what did you feel about the the title not coming until like 20 minutes into the movie? Though I thought that was great. I thought it's like you kind of like met these characters. You're like this is what the movie's going to be. Nope. Right. I, I, I liked that. <laughs> I liked the double fake of that. And there was a whole there was a kill underneath the docks. This girl was underneath like this yeah. dock and like the water, and she's trying to like hide. And this machete just, like, came through the slats and just, like, stuck her in the top of the head. Like, that was amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know. Was that an homage to another kill uh, in the I series? don't think so, no. Because, like, it, it stuck in her head, and then you see her get pulled up slightly. Yeah. And then she just falls. It was, like, it was so sudden and good that I can't hate that
2: movie. Like, if, if that felt like that was in the spirit of a Friday the 13th. I think also my main problem was is that uh, I couldn't get behind any of the characters. Um, yeah, that's which true. Which I understand it's a Friday the 13th. Usually they're disposable anyway. <laughs> but we all have our favorites when it comes to that series, and there was nobody that I actually like really gave a damn about. So when it came to him killing them, I was just like, fine, just <laughs> do it. Um, that, that, yeah, so that's true. That, that, that in itself was... It was an okay remake. I mean, if you want to look at, say, the the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, that one's god awful. Um, like
1: Jackie Earl H- Jackie Earl Haley as Krueger,
2: I thought was interesting casting. Yeah, that's about the only interesting thing about that movie. But
1: what about the micro nap type of thing, like the micro, like the idea that like like you you're so you're awake so long that your brain has to shut down for moments at a time, and because of that you can't control, it, and he could be there to get you good idea horribly implemented right i I
2: thought you know so yeah uh but i guess what i'm trying to say is i'm trying to put that up against the friday 13th remake so in the sense that like i think one is okay i think nightmare is awful (laughs) getting back to what they should you know what they're going to do with the franchise i think that they need to pay attention to halloween i'm not saying you need to you know, make this in, you know, a sequel and be like, oh, we're going to pretend that, you know, nothing after three counts or, you know, I'm not saying they have to go that way, but I don't understand whether or not like, you know what, let's go ahead and either do something completely new with it or let's set it in the 1980s and let's just treat it like it was another Friday the 13th movie that was made in, you know, 1989 and, you know, We'll set it in that time period. We'll give Jason that look. We'll, you know, just continue the stories of Camp Crystal Lake and go in that vein. Like if they're like this is just a movie that you didn't know existed, you know. I
1: I would kind of like that. I think that'd be kind of cool because it's like so there there is a bit here in all these franchises where it takes a supernatural turn. Um, except for Friday the 13th, because it was, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street, because it was straight up supernatural yeah. from the begin with. But Friday the 13th was not in, until 6, right? Uh, and Halloween was not until, was it 5, when they started bringing in the, the, the Druid stuff?
2: Yeah, uh, that actually comes and, in 6, six but yeah, yeah, he's pretty much, heck, I mean, even by the second one, they're starting, because they, they bring in the whole, like, uh, Samhain thing. Although yeah. they... they they say it as Sam Hain, which is how I always said it until somebody was like, yeah, it's actually pronounced Sowen." So I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, so
1: I feel like a lot of these slasher like things end up like eventually turning into supernatural yeah. where, um, as much as, as much as I love Friday the 13th part six, I think I love that movie. Um, it, cause it's ridiculous. Like, it, mm-hmm. no, it, it's, it's very meta the entire time before that was a, a phrase you would use for that film. Um, you know i don't know if you need jason to be like a supernatural and unstoppable killer right so i think i think your call i think that's the right call i think that'd be great they actually be like you know what you know before we get to before we get to 5 here's what happened you know yeah. i think that would be cuz i mean clearly halloween has uh stop started so many times that no one cares anymore right. um it, yeah i think that'd be i think that's the right call
2: yeah and you know i think also it, for instance, this evening, it'll be, have already aired uh, once this goes up, but while I've never watched the Goldbergs, I'm going to be watching the episodes that are airing tonight because Robert Englund is uh, appearing as Freddy Krueger, and he just recently said that, you know what, I think I could do one more Nightmare on Elm Street. Which is funny
1: because this He's is a been, couple years ago, like, there was, what, the Chicago Wizard World, he was supposedly putting on the Freddy
2: makeup for the yeah. last time, like, the whole prosthetic and, he and was saying, I'm done, yeah. no more. Yeah. Um, and I have to imagine, if I work at New Line Cinema, which I think is owned by Warners now, and I'm looking at the money that Halloween just made, yeah. and I'm looking at, like, Robert Daniel saying, you know what, I could do one more, I'd be making that movie as fast as you could say, you who, know? Do you, who do you want to do that? Because with with Craven gone, who, who do you want to step in to take that? You know what? I, Frank Darabont. Why not? Leading into our discussion yeah. that we're going to have not? here in a second. But yeah. yeah, I think he would be perfect. Yeah. I think that's a good call. Um,
1: so yeah. Uh, anyway, so best of luck to to Mr. James and his production company to get the rights, which is that is a quagmire of things right now. But if they yeah. make it happen, cool. Um, I, I honestly believe that like they like I, th- I think that he has the best of intentions with this because uh, you get the feeling that he's a fan like right. I, as much as much as he is like um, you you this guy is like the greatest athlete on the face of the earth and like the greatest basketball player or whatever like you get the notion that like he loves the stuff you know yeah and i feel like his enjoyment of it is independent of like his stature in the world so i feel like that's something he can engage with because it's not constantly his face about who he is Yeah.
2: yeah and that actually just brought something up uh in my head when you were saying that um and this goes in regards to halloween uh whoever makes these franchises does something new with them Um, or brings back existing characters, it has to come from a place of passion. You can see over the the new Halloween movie, if you like it, hate it, whatever, there's a lot of passion going into that movie. There's a lot of, we know what this can be, let's work as hard as we possibly can to get this in the best place that we can. Um, And I feel like these types of movies, that's the best way to appeal to a larger audience, or at least the fan base. Mm -hmm. So... A passion, and if he's got passion for it, great.
1: Do you think they're going to do like an updated hockey mask in the '80s, though? Like, I'm actually getting closer to
2: the more traditional hockey goalie mask. <laughs> it would be interesting if they did. Uh, I don't know really, like how many more slices you can take of changing the mask or making it a little different. I know. But. I just
1: like there there was the the, the goalie in the NHL, Curtis Joseph, uh that went by Cujo like for the longest time. I think it'd be great just to have a, a Toronto Maple Leafs, like you know, regular hockey mask <laughs> to show up. No. Jason um, says A a lot. Yeah, that'd be great. That just make it a Canadian slasher. That's fine. <laughs> no. Uh, so uh yeah, anyway, like um so a lot of possible remakes going on and hopefully the right people were in place to make them and we just know that the the Halloween one was handled with uh, the with, with care whether or not you agree with the execution, you could tell that it was taken from a place of like yeah. they like these movies and they want to do right by it. So yeah. All right. So enough about those franchises. I guess we're gonna talk about <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about another franchise because it's 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 October and we're just gonna keep going. So uh yeah, we're just gonna get into uh Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. And um yeah, um Steve doesn't know what trailer I picked, so we'll get his reaction here once we're <laughs> on the uh, other side. Yeah.
0: And now for our feature presentation A nightmare on Elm Street, part three, Freddy's back That was great, if you've seen one and two, you have to see number three Totally bizarre That's a total nightmare. It was better than all of them combined. Freddy's a nut. And he's A Nightmare on Elm Street, part three Dream Warriors,
1: where it are now playing at a theater near you.
2: That Freddy, he's a nut. Nice. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, if if you go on YouTube, there's a video that I guess was made for, you know, retail, rental stores. Um, to get them to buy copies of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um, And what's funny about it is is that because this is like right when vhs was really starting to be- become huge um it's robert Englund as freddie krueger like giving like sales stats of the first two and <laughs> how many copies they could move of nightmare on elm street three it's like 10 minutes long but oh my god it's so funny uh so if you if you, if you have uh, a, a few minutes to spare on youtube and you're just looking for something funny to watch just look for that it's it's him talking about as freddie about like how much money Nightmare on Elm Streets made at the box office and how many units they can sell. So,
1: the reason I picked that trailer is because the actual theatrical trailer, I was trying it's like it's there's nothing going on for the first like 40 seconds of it and then it scared the shit out of me <laughs> with my headphones on.
2: Cause it's it, the house, right? It's a
1: little girl in the bed, and she's yeah. like the, dealing with like the, the popsicle stick house that you see that's the house that uh, Nancy's character from the, the first film and, and then the family from the second film live in. Yeah. And then you it's just slowly it's just her kind of messing with the house and it's all quiet. And then and then you hear the one, two phrase coming for you, and the camera's panning around her, and then just all of a sudden it's just a claw on your <laughs> and I just had I had my headphones on and I'm just like, yep. I just wet myself as a grown man, and I did not want to play that because it, 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 there's nothing and then something, you know? So I found this, like, local uh, ad where everyone's like, oh, if you've seen these two, you need to see the third one. You know, it's like – like I, I like some of the reactions. It's like, oh, yeah, if, you, if you've seen the first two, watch this one. Well, that's probably the logical progression, yes. Right. And that Freddy, he's a nut. <laughs> like, so – Elf Street Three, the uh, Dream Warriors, which came out. Uh, I'll have, give you the actual release date because I think it was February twenty seventh. You're right. There you go. Um, yeah. So um, Steve, like, this is your month of October. Like, why? Like, this is your month of October. Your Halloween month. Why did you pick this one? Why did you want to talk about this on the show?
2: Well, I mean, one. I think everybody knows uh, when it comes to the tent poles. They, you know, people know your. Halloween's, your Friday the 13th's, and Nightmare on Elm Street's. And, you know, I I feel like we've had a couple of discussions. Heck, we just had a discussion for probably a good 10, 15 minutes about a reboot of Friday the 13th. But we've had a couple episodes where we've also talked about Friday the 13th at, at great length. So um, I eliminated that immediately from consideration. When I looked at, you know, what my tastes were growing up, getting into horror, things like that, I wanted to really focus on what drew me in, and I would almost say that Freddie is certainly was certainly bigger than Jason was in the '80s. I, I don't know that you can. Well, he's a bigger personality because he talks, right? Um, and I think that when it comes to Nightmare on Elm Street, I I I'll probably take the statement back at some point. <laughs> I might actually like it better than the original, and I think the original is. A, I mean, it's a it's a masterpiece. I love the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but I I think I actually like the third one more. Um, and you know, you gave me carte Blanche, and I was I really thought about it because I, I figured, you know, Night of the Comic from Beyond might be films that people don't know. Um, and then I wanted to do Halloween because the new movie was coming out. And then this was something that you'd also mentioned that you were like ah, I watched, and I don't think it works as well as I thought it did when I was younger. And I was like, well, we're gonna talk about this. <laughs> And you, so, you kept slapping me in the face <laughs> the entire time, yeah. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. I I wish, you know, we were just talking about um a minute ago. Well, not a minute ago, like 45 minutes ago, about the writing process. And sometimes when I listen to myself, I could sit down and it would take me eight hours, but I could probably write a really wonderful essay about how why I love this movie. Okay, and then you like hit me point blank on here, and I'm like. think a movie. I really like it. (laughs) You know, like, I I don't know. The guy with the porty hand does things. It's pretty cool. Yeah, like, my brain shuts off for some reason. But, you know, there's a lot of different reasons I like this movie. Um, And just looking at it from a whole, and I'm probably skipping ahead for talking points, but if you look at what this movie does for the franchise... This movie invents so much of what it becomes, for good okay. or for bad. Yeah, um, everything from the idea of there being the last of the the Elm Street children to dream powers to um, even just the the chest of souls that Freddy opens up. Like we'd not seen that before. Yeah, it comes back in other films. Um, his backstory of uh, being the son of a hundred maniacs. Yeah, uh, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Uh, to Amanda Krueger to Um, all of that. He's the son of one maniac, but the
1: 99 other ones are in question. Maury Povich to not bring out the,
2: (laughs) you know, the the tests. He's more product of a heinous crime than he is just any one person.
1: And that, that horrible smarch weather.
2: Yes. That's what also led to it. I'll get you where you can't, <laughs> where your parents can't protect you, in your dreams. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
1: I guess we, if you've not, if you're not familiar with with this film uh, and the the Nightmare uh, franchise in general, this is this is the third film. So obviously, Freddy's been around two t- other times, but this one deals more with, like you said, the last the Elm Street children. They're dealing with the sins of the father in the sense that um, uh, Krueger, who was a child killer, quote unquote. Yeah, um, which they had to change because you know him being a uh, child molester was too taboo. Yeah, but killing them, the, you were okay with that. Messing with them sexually, you can't talk but the about. The thing
2: is, is I always got that vibe. Anyways, I always thought that's the way it went. Like, yeah. um, I, well, they don't come out and say it. It's, I don't know if it's. You know, implied, but I always thought that that's what it was. Like I always thought that there was more to it than just him being a killer.
1: Yeah. So, so the parents all got together because he was. They even covered this in an episode of uh, Freddy's Nightmares where he, they actually had the whole trial
2: of him being yeah. acquitted and what's interesting is, is the, it's the very first episode and it's directed by toby hooper who directed oh, the texas chainsaw Massacre. i didn't realize that yeah. so so basically
1: it was a miscarriage of justice and so the parents all you know take in their hands and they go and they kill him and they they burn him alive in a boiler room um so then they think it's all well and good that he's done justice been served but he somehow has now come back through the afterlife and through dreams and he's going after their children you know so this one picks up with there's a group of like supposedly unassociated people, like teenagers, that are all having a shared psychosis of this figure of someone stalking them, and that's driving them to suicidal behaviors or extreme behaviors. Yes, and they're all put together in this this uh, mental hospital, um, and then um, in comes a up and coming you know uh, you know superstar and like, you know in psychological therapy and it's it's uh, Nancy. Who is the survivor of the first film? Correct. Played by Heather Langenkamp.
2: I, I always say that. correct. Like I yeah. am um, no, I'm, I'm doing, I'm
1: doing okay with this, you yes. know. So, um, so she comes in. They basically is like, I know what's going on, and no one wants to listen. And and over the course of time, these kids are getting picked off one by one by Freddy. Mm-hmm. So she figures out, like you know, like that one of the group, um, um, Patricia Arquette's character, Kristen who looks like the main character of the gig of the movie and then you forget about her for two-thirds of the movie until they like they they really drift away from her real fast pretty much and it becomes like um, the Heather
2: Langcap story I, I feel like it's evenly divided but maybe that's just the way I've always viewed it so I, well, I
1: feel like it's actually the other doctor the, the the one who has been in charge of all of them um, uh, his his character is Neil Gordon a uh, Craig Wasson, who looks like um oh What's his name? Looks like the comedian, uh, politically incorrect. It looks like Bill Maher. Like, he does looks- <laughs> look a little bit like Bill Maher. <laughs> looks a little bit like Bill Maher. He wants to do right by these guys, but he also doesn't want to believe that it's a dream causing the problems. You know, so then he listens to Nancy, and they, you know, things are going on. So I feel like it's almost more his story because there's a lot more that's put on his shoulders the entire time than it is the kids because he has to come from the point of non-belief to believing to then end up being in a junkyard throwing holy water on a skeleton mm-hmm. so he actually has a lot of heavy lifting through the whole story to be brought and and also being visited by the ghost of a nun the entire time spoilers happens um, yeah it happens you know so i mean i guess like but the moment Nancy shows up, the movie just kind of shifts back to her. Uh, So I feel like, uh, I feel like Kristen's character is kind of forgotten for stretches of the film.
2: I think that, I mean, that's, that's fair. I always took it as bouncing back and forth between the two, because once Nancy's introduced, um, you know, Kristen then has another nightmare and Nancy learns that, you know, she can pull her into her dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, Kristen can pull her in, into her dreams Uh, and then she then uses that to persuade the group to explore what they can do in their dreams so i feel like when it comes to nancy's involvement in the movie i think that's very well done i've seen i don't know how many other movies where returning characters aren't given sort of the structural importance that they probably should have or they're just ceremoniously killed off because they don't know what to do with those characters. That's that's um, fair. I like the moment when she gets pulled into
1: Chris's uh, dream like they're back in that house that Nancy grew up in, which I don't know why the house is so important
2: to everything. It just seems to be the place. Um, that is a weird effect of the 80s. Like I think it was like an Amityville f- effect in the sense that like it's a recognizable it, house. It, but it, yeah. also,
1: the Nancy's mother actually kept the claw hand in the, in the boiler the, in or the, the basement. furnace. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's like the seat of power and, and until later in the junkyard of you know, mini horrors. Um, I, so maybe that's why it's also recognizable because also the second movie uses the house as the starting off point, because there's no other characters in the second movie that are from the first film and that don't show up later unless I'm incorrect about that. No,
2: and I mean we should also say that two is completely, it, it's it's literally like a completely separate movie. Like it, it it's a sequel, but it's not like it's a sequel in the sense that Freddy returns the house returns yeah. that's about it I you know and, and not not that I wanted to talk about too because I could talk about
1: too I ended up so a, a year or two ago uh, Hulu had uh, the first few of uh, the nightmare films available and I was like you know I don't know if you've had those nights where it's like you're up and you're like I can't sleep I guess I'll just watch movies yeah and I'm like I haven't seen these in forever and I remember growing up as a kid and I, I wanted to bring this up during the show because it's such a stupid memory um, you remember like when VHS first came out that the, the 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 labels in the vhs weren't necessarily related to the movie it was more the production company mm-hmm. like the 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 new line cinema logo was much bigger than the name of the film on the videotape oh yeah and it was like a, like media something whatever it wasn't necessarily new line but there was like a media logo smart egg i think maybe something, or something yeah like lines. um so i remember growing up like when i first saw the first couple of nightmare films which bothered me as a kid because you know, you're a kid. Um, that at one point I was in like elementary school and I saw a videotape with that same logo. And it instantly unnerved me. You want to know what the movie was? Care Bears. The Sound of Music. Uh, so, <laughs> and I didn't want to, oh, no, sorry, no, it was Swiss Family Robinson. It was something. It was some family film and I'm just like, I, and I was like third, fourth grade. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. They're like, it's not that. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. Uh, Freddie's in there, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to get me. Um why? Why do I think sound of music? Because we were forced to watch that a lot as a kid, and I didn't like that. But it was some family film, and I just does didn't anybody to...
2: like sound of music? I, I know I, people say know, they do. I, I know just, I don't. I don't,
1: I don't know. know. Julie Andrews is probably a fan of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, either I, way, it was, things, <laughs> no, it was one of those things. No, it things where I saw the, the the logo on the tape, and I immediately thought of Nightmare on Elm Street. And so, as a kid, I'm in like my classroom, and I'm like being kind of unnerved and being a dumbass <laughs> kid. And so, of course, my media, my media thing is to act out, so I get in trouble. So, yeah, I have a, like
2: a, like I have a weird... You don't get to watch the sound of music. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or
1: whatever, right? Swiss Family Robinson. I don't even know what it was. Um, but it's like, I something about that always, like, I will never forget that. And I remember at one point, I owned a Freddy Krueger poster in my bedroom, and it was behind my door, so I wouldn't sleep with my bedroom door closed at night, because then Freddy's staring at you, you know? So, <laughs> I, I have a complicated relationship with the night for films because they bothered me as a kid, yeah. which is their job, you right. know? And then whenever the, the, the initial TV ads came out for this film, it, it like, it was very matter of fact. But then you see like the, like they, they showed the house, like not the popsicle house from the, like the movie, but they showed the house and there would be a light on like the stoop. And they would say dream warriors. And it was like, I'm like, I don't want to deal with another one of these movies. as a kid. I didn't know what was going on. I remember liking this movie a lot as a kid because of the notion that once you get down to the nitty gritty, that these kids had these abilities and powers in their dreams, mm-hmm. that they could fight back. I loved that idea. Um, I don't think it's executed very well in this film, though. And the movie's called Dream Warriors. The movie should be called Dream... Hey. I have a moment, oh, I'm dead. That should be the name of the movie is, I you know, I have a power, but Freddy's going to just slash me in the heart and I'm dead. That's, I feel like all, I feel like half of the cast, the moment they reveal what they're good at, they're done within
2: 30 seconds of me, of, of seeing Freddy. I think that's, that's certainly a fair assessment, but I think that what it, you're missing and I should say that you're missing because that's not that's not correct. You're like, Listen, here's
1: the novelization, explain it explains so much more. No, 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 no.
2: Um, and I'm looking at it from probably a, a perspective of the whole franchise, but like when you get to that point though, all of the kills in this movie are interesting, with the exception mm-hmm. of maybe the wheelchair kill, because he's not not the wheelchair kill, but Will, who's in the wheelchair, you know, he just basically gets stabbed in the heart when he's unable to defeat Freddy. I just... But,
1: ugh, he's supposed to be the wizard of something, something, something.
2: Right. You know? I mean, Taryn's death is freaky enough with the um, syringes she, on her hands. She's hand. the
1: girl who's the junkie who had previous issues with addiction. Right. Which, by the way, brief aside, I, I don't know, I was in line for a drink at this wedding on Saturday... And we're like is looking this at another the diff- bathroom story. No, no, no. Like no. Okay. No, this is not a bathroom story. In uh, my, in my, my friend I was talking to, we're looking at the different various liquors that there were available, and he said something about bourbon. He was like, "Wasn't bourbon talked about like in the first Nightmare film?" And I'm like. Yeah, I guess, because Nancy was talking about her mom like drinking bourbon, and the guy that left of me, he's the one picked up on the reference and started talking to my buddy, and I'm just like, I think that's right, and then I'm like half drunk, and I'm like, did you know Nightmare 2 is like a veiled like, (laughs) it's a whole veiled thing about like, you know, homosexuality coming out of the
2: closet, and that conversation just got shut down immediately. It was a really (laughs) random
1: talk, so. Well,
2: there's talk of bourbon in 3, because the the gentleman caller that uh, Kristen's mom brings home uh, yeah. is looking for the bourbon but I
1: think this isn't the first one they talk about the mother being an alcoholic yeah. as well rightfully so because they all got together to kill a child molester and they just put the claw in the basement but yeah I thought that was funny that <laughs> unrelated to you and I talking about dream warriors there was a Nightmare on Elm Street conversation while online waiting for drinks. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry. That was a brief aside. So uh, yeah,
2: I, I certainly understand that, um, particularly because that sequence of the film goes from them trying Ooh. to rescue Joey, who we then find out that his he's mute, but in his dreams he's got a very powerful voice. We see that he can use that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's interesting that Nancy never really develops a dream power. Yeah, um,
1: that's funny. well because like the whole I so, mean
2: the whole crux of the first film is that she realizes
1: that well she doesn't even have a dream power other than waking up and grabbing Freddy on the way out so she so he can come into the real world right and but, then she can smack him with the sledgehammer and then cause a a light bulb to be packed full of uh, gunpowder gun to fire off and a tripwire that causes a sledgehammer to hit Freddy which is still great by the way it's very it was Home Alone before Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, she doesn't develop a power other than she recognizes
2: that everybody has them. You know, yeah. so, yeah. But uh, the way it's structured, I think that the kills work well, and I certainly understand your point. If you were to say, like, I want, like, a battle that would have taken place between all of them, you know, I'll uh, say, like, Freddy versus Jason, where, like, you know, the fa- finale is almost like a 20-minute, like, well, throwdown. I, I could get on board with that. I understand that criticism, it's just frustrating because it takes 45 minutes into the film, which yeah. is the mid, literally the midpoint of the film,
1: when this is all coming out, right? So it's like, not that I need, not that I need this film. And again, this is me coming to it years later, thinking about it, and and, and this is the this is not the movie that I wanted. It's the movie they made, but you introduce all these different aspects and interesting ideas, and maybe it's limited because of budget, but it's it's very frustrating to me that. You don't, and this is something you're right. This does come in later where, um, is it five or six where they, like, there's the kid that's all about comic books? Is it five? That's five. Five. And then he goes and like you know he has he becomes his own character from his his comics and like kills Freddy. Then Freddy becomes Super Freddy and then kills him. And it's like I really like that sequence. Still. I did too. Even is a... it black and white? It's kind of arty. And then yeah. there's the one girl who um, is like lifting weights, and then like she is like, trapped in the Roach Motel. That's that's four. And, and is it four? Yeah, yeah it's four. that yeah. that
2: one's four. The comic book Kids five. But I will say that um, as somebody who going back to like our Halloween conversation from last week where I said five kind of drops the ball mm-hmm. from four, I feel like four in this series drops the ball from three in some ways. Okay. But I will say that that cockroach kill... It's disgusting. It's Ooh. disgusting, but I think it's actually... It's the one highlight of that movie. I think it may actually be the best um, Freddy kill of the series. And that's saying a lot. Mm. Um, but uh, when it comes... To, you know, Going back to three... Um, we'd already seen Philip, who is a puppeteer, Mm -hmm. um, get one of the most heinous deaths. That's visually like the idea of somebody being puppeted by their tendons is
1: yeah. yeah, So like, which the older I get, the more like the reality of physical pain sets into me when I watch films. And he and so in his dream, uh, Freddy like cuts along his forearms, like this kid's forearms and his legs, and pulls. Like you know, tendons and shit out to basically you know puppet him to, like a puppet, yeah, yeah. Like along, like you know, along the way, and it's like looking at that; it just it just hurts to look at, you know. And so, yeah, I get that, and, and 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 so there's more inventive and there's more vindictive kills in this where it's like the 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 thing that either they find strength in or the thing they fear in, like Freddy, like he latches onto it and makes it his focal point of how he gets in their head. To take them out, right? So that's not, that's, you're right, that did not exist in the first two films. It was more like scary guy stalking people. And he's going to get you. This is the first time they actually made it like their demises were colored by their lives, right? So I, I'll give you that. I, I will give you that. That's definitely a more interesting way to go than just.
2: And I don't really yeah. have a point to this next thing that I'm going to say, <laughs> other than like it, we would be remiss without. Without mentioning, welcome to Primetime, bitch. It's <laughs> easily like one of the most quotable yeah. Freddie Kruger lines, obviously. Um, and the thing with um, Jaja Gabor and Dick Cavett, Dick Cavett uh, is wonderful. Um, the whole idea of these arms coming out, picking her up, slamming her head to the television.
1: Which is she- fine, but then you got. Larry Fishburne walking in. to the I love room. that you're
2: calling him Larry because that's how he's de- he's built in the film. <laughs> I know, I know. This so, was before he became Lawrence Fishburne. He was so Larry. Lawrence
1: Fishburne's in this. He's like a, like an orderly type guy. Well, he's something more because he's wearing like the scrubs, yeah. and so he's so, helping out. I feel out. like he's like the head nurse or something, something like, like that. And he tells this girl, like you know. He's like you need to go to bed." She's like, "Oh come on, I can't deal with that tonight." He's like, "Okay, I didn't see you." So she's watching TV, burning her forearms with cigarettes to stay awake. You know, she falls asleep. Frey tricks her into going to the TV. He forces her head into the TV. That's all well and good. It's terrifying and it's funny with the whole welcome the primetime bitch. Larry Fishburne walks into this like you know this common room. She's like a foot and a half off the ground with her head jammed into a television. How did that happen? Right. So no, like a lot like you, the kid being like you know puppeteered and sleepwalking off the edge of the building. You can kind of buy that. Like like I'm just trying to understand from a. He's manipulating her in her dream while she's asleep to force her head to a television. How did that happen? I don't know. Like physically, how did she do that? I don't know. That's the one that's the one part of this. I'm like, there's no milk crate that she stood up on. And then you didn't see her bash her head into the television, which I get it. The the, the image of her hanging loose from this wall mounted TV is horrific. But if the whole notion is that you're supposed to kind of have that plausible deniability of a Freddy Krueger kill being, this is just a kid trying to kill
2: themselves, I, I just I have a hard time being like, how did she do that? That's fair, and I'll be honest, because it's such a great visual, I've never thought about it.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm not I, trying. To, I'm
2: not trying to pull cinema sins or anything. No, with this, no, no, no. no. I like, don't think you are. I, because,
1: because you know, Larry Fishburne's just
2: like. I don't know what has happened. My thought was always like, why wasn't that a bigger warning sign for everybody? Because it's clearly a death that happened. Yeah. After, after Philip's death, and it's also a death that happened where it's like, it doesn't okay, make sense. It does. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not, you know, an easily like identifiable reason behind it happening. Well, and then also his character, uh, you, he kind of disappears after
1: a certain point in the film, which is a bummer because, like, you know. He brings such a great, like, like you could tell he cares about these kids. Mm-hmm. He wants to do right by them, but he also is like realistic in the sense of, like, oh, fine, I'll let you do this. Just don't tell anybody. Like, it's a, like I, I liked his character. And he was also given some pushback because and he was the one to introduce uh, Nancy to all the kids on the floor that she was dealing with. Yeah. And it's like he was a good, I just, I feel like his character kind of got put to the wayside when he didn't need to be. I feel like right. he could have been more included in this. And, you know, not that anybody knew that Lawrence Fishburne would go on to do what he did um, as an actor with his career. But it's like he had a charisma. He had he brought something different to the film. You know, I'm not saying that I hate to say this. The the, the biggest weak part of this film to me is Heather Langenkamp, because I feel like they put too much on her to act as like this professional psychiatrist type. Mm. They gave her way too much dialogue that she was much better as like the. The um, horror-stricken teen than she was as the all-knowing professional. Like I feel like they didn't give her. I don't. I don't don't know. Like her. I don't feel like her line delivery was convincing. And like, and nothing against her because I, I new nightmare, which that's a separate discussion. I don't think she's also the best in that. But I really, really appreciate the places they put her in and what she has to deal with okay, as, a, as an actress because she's playing herself in that movie, you know, a different, a hyper reality version of herself. I just feel like in three, I didn't buy that she was like this comp competent professional. I feel like, especially at the end, all her dad passed over John, John Saxon, yes. which we need to mention him because he was in hands of steel, which is the greatest goddamn movie ever made. Um, like, he shows up at the end when he, it's not really him, it's its spoiler, it's Freddy. Like, she's like, oh, it's all over, we're all in this dream together, and Freddy's been defeated because Banshee over here yelled and broke all the mirrors, um, and it's <laughs> like, and then she goes over to her dad, and he's like, oh, daddy, I'm so sorry, and then she gets gutted. It's like, she should know better by now, because she knows what this person's capable of doing. I just feel like she goes out so dumb after being the person that's the voice of reason the entire film. I, I know you're going to justify this, and I'm going to feel bad about it.
2: But. No, no, I'm not going to justify it. I mean, th- th- that's a fair criticism, and it's interesting to me. The thing that I got hung up on was is that I think her performances, both in the original this and New Nightmare, are all wonderful. Okay, so um, it was surprising for me to hear that. Um, <laughs> no, and I this don't is mean the to the last make it- <laughs> episode of Invasion because
1: of Heather Langenkamp. I'm sorry, Heather. You know, you can judge me, but I just I just feel no, like, you know.
2: And, and I mean, it's fine, because actually that was some of the criticisms that were leveled at the film when it originally came out, looking back through some old reviews. That's perfectly fine. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is is that her death at least has... Uh, it closes a loop. Yeah. I mean, like, it, so I'll give you it, there's that. There's a point to it. Like going back to our Halloween 4 discussion and Halloween 5 discussion from last week or Halloween 4 and then me basically saying I hate 5
1: um,
2: <laughs> for instance the character of Rachel in Halloween 5 is just summarily killed off at the beginning because they clearly don't know what to do with her character it's just like she survived so she's got to die at least Nancy serves a purpose within this film no, I, that's fine and, and I yeah. I understand your point of saying well why, why wasn't she aware that like hey there's still something that could possibly going on. The only reason it's plausible for me is, is that she knows that he is with, uh, the doctor Neil, um, burying the bones. And that's the only reason that I think now, granted, she's the only one in that scene who has that knowledge outside of the viewers. So yeah. I'm, I'm able to buy it. Um, because when it happened, you know, cause I saw, I did actually see this in the theater. Um, I was twelve when it came out, um, and my brother worked at a movie theater, so you're, I saw you're everything for you beautiful and bad. Yeah, um, but uh, for me, it was a complete shock when it happened, and I think that that's always stuck with me. Um, so there may be some nostalgia getting in my way. I perfectly no, okay with it should be a shock that. because like they specifically made a point to bring her back. Right. And she still has the gray
1: streak in her hair that you know that was a big point of the first film of like you know she's going through shock, and then they even bring up the 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 drug or whatever it was that um, Hypnosil. Hypnosil that like blocks out dreams. So she's found a way to like, even though she felt like she's she has won the fight and stopped the evil, she can't trust herself to dream. There's there's some interesting context there. Yeah, absolutely. I just like, and, and this is me like. And, 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 So I'll say this. I like this movie. I do. I just, I just wish that there was more time given to the characters. Once you cross that threshold of like, these guys all have these things that they know they can do and they're, they're good at it. And this is how they're going to fight the nightmare. I just wish there would have been a little bit more of that. Not that I needed like these drawn out fight sequences or whatever, I feel like they all went out like just like one, two, three, done for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And like Kincaid's just running around just punching through walls. I don't know what was going on with that.
2: He's like, like Kool Aid.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, guys, what's going on? My name's Kincaid. I'm a tough guy. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, that, that, I do like that Joey is the mute, right? Uh, he's the kid that um, I like the notion that, like, so there's the idea that when Nancy shows back up again, freddie caesar and he's like you like he's like you're the one person that beat me and got away um so then later on he's holding joey hostage basically um i like that idea of like if you want him come and get him like there's some good ideas in there um like there's some really interesting ideas in this film and maybe it's just a matter of budget because they wrote this for 20 million and 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 made it for five if i remember right um, and then let's just talk about that real briefly. So um, this was a, there's a number of people that were involved in the writing of this just because like, you got Wes Craven had some story input, but based on characters by him uh, screenplay by uh, Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell and Bruce Wagner. I'm not familiar with Bruce Wagner, Frank Darabont. We all know now because of Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile and the first season of the walking dead and the mist. And he's you know Frank Darabont's done some awesome things. Yeah. This was his first, like, screenwriting information the credit um you can see that there's some good logic in there and that maybe that maybe that's not even him but i feel like darabont knows how to tell a story there's a good story to be told here um i also wonder who put the visual ideas in this because um i always have problems with horror films because i feel like the rules start stop making sense after a while
3: mm-hmm.
1: but when you're dealing with nightmare on elm street the moment someone blinks their eyes All bets are off. You can show whatever imagery you want because it's a dream. And there's some really crazy great images in this. I don't know if that was Darabont's take on this or or, or Craven, but just seeing a tricycle rolling in by itself with blood trails for wheels. And then it just melts Mm. like any other movie. I'd be like, that's bullshit. But it's like with Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm like, all right, I'm uncomfortable (laughs) because this is a dream. So I, I don't know who put all the weird dream imagery in this film.
2: And you know you, we were talking earlier, and I kind of got ahead of myself. Where I was like, "Look at what this film adds to mm. the actual franchise itself." When I think about the film in that regard, um, there are very few sequels that actually. A lot of times, adding to the story becomes detrimental. Whereas, I feel like this is one of the few sequels that actually adds quite a bit and expands upon its original premise. You know, there there are all these bits that we get about, you know, how Freddy came to be, his mother being a nun, um, the idea of the kids having the powers. You know, I I've, I've mentioned this earlier, but I think that the things that are added into this film from the the position of a franchise i think that it's it's very rare that we get one of these where the additions work um you know with halloween you know you got the cult of thorn which really doesn't work you know friday the 13th um you got taking him into space which in my opinion i know you differ on this but uh, or you know what actually uh we'll go back one uh you know um the final Friday. Um, Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah, I did not one, like that movie. That one tried to add a lot to it, and it didn't work. So all the things that are added to this film, I think, work well. Um, my only response to what you are saying about wanting more of certain elements is that I, I do also feel at some point, how long do you go with this movie? Well, that, that's um, fair. I feel I... like it's a pretty tight movie as it is. Um, well it has to be. It's an hour and a half long. So I like, <laughs> you
1: know, No, but like the, the the subtitle of this film is The Dream Warriors. And I guess if you get to the end, yeah, Patricia Patricia Arquette's character who not only can she has the, the ability of bringing people into her dream and unifying, very much like an inception machine, you know. Yes. Um, she also can do acrobatics. Like I like she's like, I'm the Carrie Strug of my generation or whatever, right? <laughs> it's like cool, I guess. You know, and then you got Kincaid who could bend chairs at will. And then you have uh you know the kid who can talk in his dreams but not in real life, you know? <laughs> Great power. Um but then you have all these other characters that like you have a wizard that gets just stabbed in the heart. You have um switchblade chick that like I like at least they gave they gave her the backstory of like she doesn't feel like she's crazy. She's just dealing with addiction. Yeah. They hint at that and then the one orderly is like, I got the keys of the castle. And she's like, you know, pissed off at him. And then when she's finally going to face off against Freddie like the image of her like, you know, previous like needle marks or needle entrance points being like these little like, you know, mouths that are very like very reminiscent of like something from like little shop of horrors is disturbing. I that's all like that all is great, but the fact that she she has like the six foot tall mohawk. Uh, And then she has these switchblades and fights Freddy for a second. And then he's like, oh, by the way, drugs. And that was it. Like, like she goes out, like she was the one primed to be like, you know, the difference maker. And I get that that's the point of the film. Like, oh, she's the badass. She's out. It just, it's just frustrating to me because it's like, there is like, there should have been something where they should have had the small victory. And this is me rereading the film years after the fact. I am guilty of this all the time. Having the small victory. So that way, then they're actively seeking out. To do this, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, the rules have changed. You're all done." Like, I, I would, I feel like that would have been a much bigger trap to set. I feel like that would have been more interesting to be like, "Oh, maybe there is going to be a showdown." Nope, you know, like so. That's me. I just feel like that. you get, to, you get 45 minutes into a 90-minute movie, this concept's introduced, and then half the people are wiped off the board immediately. Like that's that's my. I feel like this is the biggest sin of this film. Give it another 20 minutes. And I think this would be, like, my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film of all of them, you know? Because I'm all about, like, powers and subsets of powers. Like, I love it. I think it's great.
2: To be perfectly honest, I think that you've made a really good case for all your criticisms. And I don't know that I've done well defending the opposite of it. No, because I I, I do realize that, like, so, so much of what I love about the film is rooted in, you know, my... I, my nostalgia for it but also the fact that I think that it's the strongest entry and you know I'm not making a good case for why it works but well, no
1: no you don't have to like you 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 love this film you brought it up I, I wasn't trying to make this as a pinata that wasn't my point no 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 no, um, no. I
2: I'm just, I just, I'm just saying that I wish I was more eloquent in defending it <laughs> um, because it is hard for me. This is one of those films that is hard for me to, to admittedly separate out my nostalgia for it or my my love for it versus, you know, critical rational thought you know like I wouldn't say my thoughts are rational but like, I, like <laughs>
1: this one it, it gives Robert England more to chew in terms of like his scenery like like you talk about uh, Kristen the beginning when she's like just eating Folgers and drinking Pepsi and listening to Dawkins and working on a popsicle house her mom comes home and then she's like you need to go to bed I have a gentleman caller you know he wants the bourbon and then they call back to that later yeah. very much like a labyrinth style moment of like her waking up in her like in this moment of like did this all happen and the movie- you could have turned and taken like taking the piss out of you and been like oh she was dreaming of this the entire time I'm glad they didn't do that but they have the same exchange happen, but but then you realize that Robert Englund was the person as the actor the first time calling out that line, and he calls and he was like, "Where's the bourbon?" He gets much more graphic yeah. than, than what he says, and it's great because he rips off the head and holds it to like you know Kristen and the mother's judging her. Um, by the way, the amount of cigarettes in this movie was troubling. <laughs> like the mom smoked, the one girl smoked. like there were so many cigarettes going on the entire time, but um, it's there was there was some great moments of a Freddie being more of like, he's enjoying this as opposed to mm-hmm. just being the punisher. I like that. Um, I like that. You're right. It opens up a whole world of possibilities that um, this, this four five and six is, 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 it's kind of its own trilogy. And in some ways with continuing characters and the whole notion of, the, the Dream Master. I would say which, three, four, and five. Sorry, three, four, four five. five. Yeah. Sorry, that's why I would say three, four, and five. I always think this is the fourth one. I don't know why. Like, there's a, like a hidden third movie. So, yeah, three, four, and five is its own trilogy. Um, and it, it kind of should be treated that way, right? Because you have continuing characters, and then um, the Dream Master is the next one, the Dream Child, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's all Freddy just trying to find different ways to screw people and get out in the real world. I love it. It's very much like a supervillain, like, always trying to find different avenues. Um, no, it's 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 a perfectly okay movie, and I feel like that's where I came with with Halloween four, um, and I like I think I think I like this one more than a lot of the other Nightmare movies. I just feel like it gets so rushed in the second half that it robs any of those victory moments. That's
2: mm-hmm. all. Well, let me ask you this then: what? And I'm assuming you've seen the entire series, and I realize you may not have seen all of them recently. Yeah. But what would be your like rankings? Like, what would be? I, you know, man, there's. There's only seven films, which of the franchises that we've talked about, that's at least the shortest amount of run of films. So
1: seven, are you including the newest one as well? Is that
2: seven? I, I'm including New Nightmare. I'm cutting it off in <laughs> at night, New Nightmare. If you want to include Freddy vs. Jason, I'm okay with that.
1: But what about the newest, newest one? So there's nine no, movies? No, that, okay, that doesn't, doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't count. Uh, Freddy vs. Jason was fun in the theater. I've not seen it since. It just wasn't a good movie, but I had fun with it. Um. I guess I haven't watched four and five recently enough to make an opinion anymore about mm-hmm. it. I remember some of the kills because they freaked me out as a kid. Um, two upon the rewatch of being a grown up is way more interesting of a film to me. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and the first one's still good too, because it's like, it just, you know, it, that is the one that's just the pure terrifying film. Right. So I, I guess if I had to come down on this, like just, you know, it, I'd put this third just because as, as much as New Nightmare is a slow film, I really like that Craven was pushing for the idea of, like, this can't be contained.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I, and, and I like the whole, um, like, the notion that he was kind of writing the script as the movie is happening. Like, there's the, there's a lot in that movie that, that, that works for me. Um, I don't think it's aged well, but I like that movie a great deal. So I'd put that. I'd put that second as like the one I'd go back to, and then also I like in the credits, and that one it says Freddy Krueger as himself. I like that. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I like that. So I, I put this third of like because you can't. There's no way you can put the first one
2: any other than first. You know, okay. so I, so you go one new nightmare seven and then new three. Nightmare three. Yeah, I guess okay. it's all. Yeah, it's a little weird. And then the rest are all just in a dead heat for sure. Until okay. until I
1: go back and watch them again, which I'm not interested in watching four and five again because I, I saw those in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a, a Freddy shark fin that goes to the beach or something with the gloves. Yeah, like, yeah that's in four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a whole diner sequence or something that happened. That's yeah. four as well. Yeah, and then there's the one girl being force-fed. Is that the same sequence? That's in five. Yeah, okay. So there, <laughs> there you go. All I know is that at various points, Stephen King was brought in supposedly to direct. He was like, I can't do that. He's like, I'm too coked out to deal with new, like Nightmare on Elm Street. So he went off and did uh, Maximum Overdrive. They kept trying to bring him in. I did not in. know that. They kept trying to bring him to write and to direct. He's like, I can't. He's like, No. <laughs> Like so which thank you. Like as much as I love his books and everything, I cannot imagine what a nightmare on El Street film would have been like had he handled it. Yeah. Like it either been too serious or too stupid. It would have been one or the other. <laughs> you know. So where do you where do you put this one at? Um, other than like I know I, the poll we have up on the Facebook page.
2: Yeah, I mean <laughs> like I said, I I might regret this tomorrow, but I think I actually enjoy it more than, than one. It's it's Very similar to the way I view Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade. I think Last Crusade is my favorite Indiana Jones film. I, in my head, know Raiders is the better movie, but when I'm talking about just my enjoyment of it, I think I enjoy watching Last Crusade more than I do Raiders. But again, I know that Raiders is the better film. So I I think maybe that's how I would classify three and one. Three and one are tied for my favorite. We'll put it that way. Um, After that, it's probably New Nightmare. Um, Then two, uh, five, four, and six. And if I'm throwing Freddy versus Jason in there, I would probably put that after New Nightmare. I, I that movie's dumb, but it's a big, dumb, fun movie. That's that's what I really like about I, that if movie.
1: If I remember right about that film, they were trying to like shoe shoehorn in a kind of and Silent Bob type of vibe with like some
2: of the kids. One of the characters, yeah. Yeah, now, yeah.
1: someone was trying to be uh There's Jay.
2: a yeah, there's a, a Stoner character Yeah, and he, he pissed me off the entire time. Yeah. Like yeah, he's actually Freddie's only real kill in the movie, too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So Um,
1: No, I'm glad that we revisited this because I felt like the movie challenged me to think about how I felt about it when I watched it about two years ago. Because I remember this was my favorite one of all of them growing up because it was the whole like coming out party of like, hey, powers, dream powers. But then I just realized in hindsight of like how little that's utilized in the entire movie, you know? Um, but there's a lot to like, and and Robert Englund's always great, and Nancy, as as wooden as I feel like she is, I feel like it was important to bring the character back. I will agree with that, um, you know. And there's 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 bits of this movie that I like, um, and there's also like we didn't even talk about some of the effects. Like some of the like the the practical effects in this film are amazing. Um, just the kid getting tongue lashed to the bed works really really well the the the, the marionette sequence with uh Freddie what why did he have to become a doll I don't understand like there was no explanation for why he had to occupy a marionette because like, it's cool <laughs> <laughs> because he becomes full-sized in Freddie like I don't yeah. know
2: that like, happen well, you know it's funny too because yeah there's no real reason for that happening but I I I wouldn't miss it. This being, coming from the guy who also said of The Ring that, like, I could never get my brain to turn around to the fact that, like, why a videotape? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I'm well aware that logic can play against me as well. Um, yeah. But I, I still love that. Um, and uh, the one that always goes sticks with me, and it's a, a fairly simple effect is, is that he gets hit with a crowbar um, or a pipe in his stomach. And then he pulls it out and you watch him like pulling it out. Yeah. And then he just takes it and licks it. I don't know why. That that, that implies so much worse. Yeah, yeah. You're right.
1: The whole like he pulls the pipe out and he licks it. Like it's just it's just disgusting. And yeah, it's, uh,
2: yeah. It's a it's a simple effect, but for whatever reason, that's one of my favorite things in that movie. It's it's such a disturbing thing. Yeah. So uh, I'd be remiss. We did we talked about the writers a
1: little bit, but we just gotta mention this is uh, directed by Chuck Russell, and I, I did not know Really, who he was? So I looked through. So he just want to mention uh, he did the remake of The Blob, which we talked about before Star Wars Recording. Which I think I've seen parts of that, but I've not. I don't think I. I think seen, it's worth a yeah. revisit.
2: I, I yeah. like that movie. Um, I think the special effects are. Uh, the star of that film. I mm. don't think that the story is as tight as, say, Nightmare Three, which I know from your perspective might be like a. No, Whoa, no just, but the story's perfectly. It's it's tight enough. I just like it could have. I. It's a simpler premise. Also, it's it's a blob that comes and eats people. But there's some <laughs> there's some really great special effects in that movie.
1: Knowing that um they kind of they wrote for four times the budget they had. What's on screen's pretty amazing for Dream Warriors. So I'll give you that. Then um, they're probably like, listen, we had a twenty million dollar budget, five million of that went to Dawkins. you know, no, not really. Um, but so, so Chuck Russell, all he directed um, the Blob and then the Mask, the yeah. Jim Carrey vehicle, which I loved that movie in high school. I don't know how well it's aged, um, but I had a lot of fun with that. Like,
2: I don't know that I've seen it in probably twenty years. I just, you know,
1: I just, like knowing that as much as that movie is CG assisted. There is so much that Jim Carrey did that they're like, we don't need computers to have him sell this. I, I just remember liking it. And also the dog, Milo. Yeah. Like the whole sequence of him trying to get the keys from the prison cell. Is, it's so dumb, but it's fun. Um, and then he also directed The Scorpion King, which is one of the, the sequels to The Mummy. So The Rock. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and then that's, you know, that's, that's about it. Like there's other stuff on here, not much, but he's done, he's done like a couple movies that have been on my radar, you know, like, so credit to him, you know? Well,
2: it's funny because before we were recording, you mentioned Eraser. Yeah. I meant to mention Eraser. When we were talking about him, (laughs) you were like, uh, he's got a fairly limited filmography and I'm like, what are you crazy? And in my head, for whatever reason, I had a much larger filmography for him and then I looked at it and I was like, oh. I guess he really, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But for whatever reason, I thought he'd done much more work than he actually has.
1: He also uh, helped; it was co-writer, or or maybe the main writer on Dreamscape, which is the reason why he was brought in to direct this because he did that that film. So, um, yeah, whatever. It's just like it's just funny because it's like not funny, haha. But you know, he did Nightmare on Elm Street three, and it's like he went on to do The Mask, which that movie made bank. Yeah, you know, and then he did a racer, which was one of the, you know, when you think of Schwarzenegger films, probably not the one you think of immediately. Um, Your luggage. Yeah, and it had it had rail guns in it, so that was pretty cool. You know, yeah. like um, and then yeah, that is
2: the one where he shoots the CGI alligator, right? And he's I, like, "Your luggage." Maybe I can't remember. I saw that in the theater. I had a, it was a
1: hoot, and that's all I remember about that movie. So, <laughs> but yeah, know, uh, yeah, So as much as it sounds like I'm being negative about Dream Warriors, I, I, they're there are many franchises that by the time you get to number three, you're like, why are we here? Yeah. You know, and I feel like this was you're right, it was just the beginning of something uh bigger. So maybe it didn't deliver on everything that the idea was, but it, it definitely took it in a different direction. And I think that that's worth the time. Because yeah. Craveny at that time was trying to pitch the whole meta of of Freddy stalking the production of Nightmare on Elm Street at that point. So like the fact that they kept pushing that idea off until like six movies later, that's not six movies, but whatever. Um, yeah, it was worth, it was worth revisiting. I feel like this was the, the biggest of, of the, of the four movies you've brought out for October. This was the most successful of the four. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's, it's ramifications and it's ripple is bigger than those other ones. And it was worthy of discussion of it, it extended the franchise. Absolutely. It changed the franchise. Absolutely. Um, but regardless of that, how well does that movie hold up on its own? So I think that was the part of the discussion. So
2: yeah, Dream Warriors, check it out. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what else to yeah. say. I like I said, I wish I would have been a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Uh, had a little bit more to back up my my arguments tonight. Other well, than how like, did you feel about the Harryhausen
1: really like uh, skeleton fight?
2: Uh, I remember being blown away by it as a kid. Um, and certainly the um, the edges show on it. We'll put it that way. The rough edges show on it, seeing it as an adult. But at the same time, I still think it's really fun. I think it's fun.
1: And for as limited time as John Saxon's in the film, yeah. he plays a haunted son of a bitch. Like, it's very... Like, I liked his whole, like, his life is ruined because mm-hmm. of, like, the decision he made to, like, turn a blind eye to the murder of Freddie and then the the hell that's been, you know, wrecked on his family and then he can't even really talk to his daughter anymore. There's so much unspoken there that I really liked his performance in this. And I don't
2: know if you noticed this, but, like, he's no longer a cop. He's a security guard. He's a security guard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drinking at Little Nemo's. Yeah. <laughs> which is a nice reference to dreaming, right?
1: And I like it also when they get to the, the, the junkyard um you know bill maher is trying to open the trunk to where the bones are and uh and he turns around and just sacks is trying to get the trunk and he's like i got the keys where are you going he's like i was gonna bring you here i'm not gonna help you (laughs) like like, like, he's just trying to leave the entire time he's like listen this mall's not gonna protect itself you know but not yeah so there's plenty of redeeming qualities in this film um the harry house and skeleton fight it doesn't age well but it's still kind of awesome yeah you know Because at the time, I don't know why, I was like, that's really cool that it actually shows the division between, you know, dreamland and reality. And it's like, oh, he could occupy a skeleton and fight people? That's a power I didn't know
2: was going to happen. I also think that they did a really good job of putting Robert Englund's performance into that. I mean, granted, it's only like maybe 30 seconds to a minute of actual animation for that skeleton, it, 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 it but it feels own, yeah. like the character. Yeah, it did. Yeah, It absolutely. doesn't just feel like it's disconnected from the rest of the movie or that character. It feels very much in mm. Robert England's portrayal of the character.
1: So to before we go on to the next discussion about Nightmare 3, which is going to be related to the game, if you could have a dream power not related to the movie, what would be your dream
2: power? Like, is this a question? Like, what you know? Because I always say flight. Like, if you could do anything, you know, what would it be? But I, I mean, I guess if it's a dream power, I I don't know. I I guess flight. I feel really <laughs> lame saying that, but I mean, no, there's I nothing... think flight's
1: valid. I think I have that too. Like, like I, I have you. How many? How many lucid dreams have you had where you're aware that you're dreaming when
2: you're dreaming? Like I've had like a handful that I can recall. Usually, if I become aware of it, it's because the situation's gotten so either ridiculous or, and not to get serious here, but, like, um, both of my parents have passed away. I will sometimes have dreams about them, and then I will have a realization within the dream that no. I'm dreaming because my brain realizes that they're actually gone. Okay. So, um Either something so crazy like I'm flying or doing something so ridiculous that I'm like, oh, I must be dreaming. Or it's something that's so out of the way my life has become that I'm like, oh, no, this can't be real because... (laughs) It's not what my life is now.
1: That's fair. Like, the handful of times where I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. I can fly now. It's always, like, three feet off the ground. It's never, like, soaring into the sky. Really? I just never, I don't know. I just feel like I'm always,
2: like, I could fly, kind of. It's never. It's weird because, you know, uh, the ending of The Matrix where, like, Neo flies off. Yeah. It's always like that for me. It's like me realizing that <laughs> with I can fly. The, the machine playing in the background. <laughs> <should No>. <laughs> but you know, I don't have any other powers. It's just that I can, for whatever reason, fly. And I think I've gone into this before. One of my biggest fears is flying. Like I am a terrible flyer. Uh, my wife, uh, who has, I've only flown by myself once, but every time that she flies with me, uh, she can testify that I'm utterly sick pale white and terrified like mm. just and that's on drugs like i go to the doctor <laughs> and he gives me a prescription so i can fly yeah. um and i'm still that bad so yeah i don't know why that's my dream power what 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 is yours i just
1: i don't know like i mean flight like if, if it's at the three feet off the ground but it's not even a power it's more like I always have this, like the subconscious, how your brain builds things. It's like, if I, if, if the need to wake up, to go use the restroom in the nighttime, the amount of bathrooms and toilets to show up in my dreams are just terrible. Like I'm always like, it's always just like, I wake up, I'm like, Oh, good thing. It was a dream. You know, like, there's always that. I turn a corner. It's always, it's always a bathroom. I don't know what it is. It's a horrible power to have. it's (laughs) It's my brain telling me you need to get up and you need to use the restroom. So it's, I don't know what it is. All toilets, all the way down, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: know. And, and that ends our talk. I don't know to say. No, that, I mean, it's like, no, it's like,
1: is it Inception whenever... Um, have you seen Inception?
2: Have you not? No. No, no. I have to pretend like I did. <laughs> like, when people bring it up, I'm like, yeah. No, I, I, there's a point where they go... I just know
1: it infuriated a lot of people. It's a, I think it's a great movie, but there's a bit where they go to the first dream level... And um, it's they—they it, they know that they're occupying one person's particular consciousness, and then the whole thing is they kind of keep working downwards, so they're going into the different people that's in this heist. The first guy. He was super happy on this plane that they were on before they all dreamt he was just drinking the free champagne that was on the flight because it's like first class, like Uber first class. And the first dream level is like this like cityscape and it's like torrential downpour and they're like, you had to have the free champagne, huh? And he's like, hey, you know, like basically they're like, you know, he's been drinking a lot and it's like, and they know that he needs to go like, you know, use the restroom and it's just just, just torrential
2: downpour on the cityscape.
1: <laughs> so I can relate. It's all bathrooms. It's a lot that's what it is, right? I feel like I've tapped into my inner Christopher Nolan, as opposed to you know. Your
2: nightmare would yeah. be like there's just no bathrooms. It's you I don't know. Running and That's just maybe, maybe it's like ah, no
1: bathroom. Yeah, ball. yeah. You're in trouble. No. You, know, <laughs> you know. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Enough about that. Enough personal revealing information about me. Let's just uh, let's just get to the game.
0: It's time to play the game. Time to play the game.
1: game involves bathrooms. No, it does not. So, all right. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, we're going to do a a box office barometer. We may have done this for this year already. It's really hard to say. However, 1987, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 came out, and it was the 24th highest grossing film of the year um, for, uh, what was it? Um, I don't know if this is adjusted or not. It doesn't matter. Um, So, we'll say for for when it came out, it grossed um, $44 million and change, right? Mm -hmm. So... I'm gonna ask you if a movie did better or worse than uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three. All right, all right. Mannequin, better or worse? Nothing's gonna stop us now. I feel like Mannequin was a big hit, so I'm gonna say it did better. It did worse. It would really, by, yeah, forty million and some change. So, okay. um, yeah, sorry, forty two million and some change.
2: I just remember that uh, song taking uh, taking the airwaves by storm that year, and everybody wanting like- to be a, a- a designer of mannequins at the <laughs> storefronts.
1: If if Meshack Taylor was in the Nightmare on Street three so Larry <laughs> Fishburne, maybe that would have been the crossover. Um, Wall Street, better or worse? It has to have done better. Greed is good, and it did not. It did. Really? It, 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 yeah, it did. That movie's huge. Forty three million. So not by much, but yeah, Wall Street. You know, it's it's crazy to me now. You see the films that are important. And you see, like you know, the movie was made for like like let's say Nightmare Three was made for ten million, whatever it was. And it made 40, 44 and it's a hit. It's a hit, right? Like, well, sorry, no, the, the new Halloween was made for ten million, and it's made like seventy yeah. million, right? And it's like it's a hit. I, I feel like there's these movies that if, if they make back like double what they put in. People don't realize that, like you know, that's not a lot compared to like how, like, what expectations are for films now. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, that was an important movie. It didn't make that much money, you know, comparatively. Um, Throw Mama from the train—better or worse than Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors?
2: Um, oh, for two, right now, I'm gonna say it did better.
1: It did do better. Also released from Orion, you know, with such hits as Throw Mama from the Train, <laughs> it made fifty-seven million. Um, man i saw that in the theater i remember that um oh, yeah
2: I, my re- memory of that movie is it's not that good
1: though like i just remember um it was billy crystal De devito right yeah and um and ma Fatelli from the goonies who was the the mother of uh De devito's character it was owen his name was owen yeah. right owen doesn't have a friend you know i just remember he was showing billy crystal his uh his coin collection in the movie and his coins were just they weren't like coins of value they were just coins from times he went out and had like a nice time with like his dad <laughs> and it's, it's like it's funny but sad, sad he's, like, yeah. he's like here's the time I went to the circus and he's like Billy like, Crystal's like oh that's great
2: <laughs> like you know um
1: yeah alright um Spaceballs better or worse than uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3
2: Spaceballs is the same year wow yeah. um I would say worse
1: you're right 38 million and you know um they need more Perrier um alright um <laughs> Oh, let's see here. The Witches of Eastwick.
2: I feel like that had to have done better. That movie, like, I don't think people remember it now, but I feel like when it came out, it was really big. Yeah, I remember
1: watching it, like, on video when it came out. Being a kid and not understanding a goddamn thing going on, but I thought it was like, because I don't even know what that movie's about now. Like Jack Nicholson's in it and Cher, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, it was very like I'm just like sure. And there was anyway, some weird sexual stuff going on that I did not process or understand at the time. Uh, Sixty three million, yeah. so yeah, it did better. Uh, La Bamba. I'm gonna Lou say Lou Diamond La... Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips was in that. Yeah. I
2: mean, I feel like that was the movie that introduced us all to Lou Diamond Phillips. Um, <laughs> And the La Bamba. Yes. You know, and Richie <laughs> Valens, you know? And uh, Lasagna from uh, Weird Al. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it did worse. It did better. Okay. 54000000 Um
1: million. Let's see here. What else we got here? Um, adventures in Babysitting. Better or worse than Nightmare 3 the f- the first cinematic introduction of thor you know, <laughs> little...
2: you know i i have a feeling that it did uh it did worse but i think that, that movie's like such a cult favorite now i think that that's one of those 80s movies that people still go back to fondly
1: yeah. um but i'm going to say i'm going to say worse worse okay 34 million you're right so the princess
2: bride better or worse oh it did better
1: uh 30 million really yeah
2: oh my god talk about movies that people revere now like yes. that movie because I, I remember that being fairly popular, um, and like throw a stone and you'll hit somebody telling, get, get doing lines from the, the yeah the Princess Bride like that movie huge. Guess
1: it wasn't that successful then, you know. That's surprising um, to me. All right, um, Inner Space, <laughs> better or worse. <laughs>
2: I'm hoping worse. It uh, was it was worse. Uh, uh it was uh Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, yeah, comedy ensues. Uh twenty five million and change. Uh although I think that's a Joe Dante film. I think you're right. Uh Dirty Dancing better or worse. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm questioning my own reality <laughs> at this point. That was huge at the time, so I'm gonna say better. It was
1: better, sixty three million. So okay. um wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be a weird world living? It's like Dirty Dancing did not make as much as Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: Um, well, Wall Street is like one of those iconic eighties movies. so I'm right? really surprised that it. Um, Police
1: Academy Four, Citizens, Citizens on, on Patrol. Patrol.
2: Oh God, uh, I'm gonna say worse, but um, that ironically was like one of my favorites growing <laughs> up because I I got into skateboard for a brief period, skateboarding for a brief period. And there's a bunch of skateboarding in that movie, um, and uh, um, it also involves a uh, fake uh, voodoo ceremony with a uh, Bubba Smith dressed up as a uh, as a Rastafarian. Um, it, you sold me. Yeah, I,
1: I, I've seen that. I remember it ends in a hot air balloon or something, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. No. Uh,
2: no. Yes. Something. Yes. There's a hot yeah, air yeah, balloon involved. The yeah. third one ends with like jet skis. So yeah, I think yeah. it is hot, <laughs> hot air balloons. Talk about um,
1: franchise that people are like, you know we should reboot. Police Academy. Did you yeah.
2: see that Steve Gutenberg's going to be coming uh, with a, uh, a showing of uh, Police Academy to Cleveland? No. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost half tempted to go. I Please tell
1: me when I might want to go. Do I that. I think it's next year. I think it's oh. like
2: the, the tickets are going on sale, but I, I feel like it's like February. Oh, I
1: feel like I should like wear a, like a short circuit shirt as opposed to like you know like Police <laughs> Academy. Um, yeah. Uh, or what well, was? Wasn't he in the day after? Wasn't he in that made for TV movie about the bomb dropping? Was he? I okay. think so. I I always think of- (laughs) It would be great to show up in like a day after T-shirt and be like,
2: it was the best movie ever. I I feel like uh, Cocoon, Yeah, Cocoon, yeah. And, um, oh, uh, there's one other that I missed. Oh, Three Men and a Little Baby.
1: So, so, okay, Three Men and a Baby. Better or worse than uh, Nightmare 3?
2: Oh, God, that's the same year. That had to have done better because that movie was huge. So, who directed that? Do you remember? That's that's Mr. Leonard Nimoy.
1: Yeah. 167 million and change. It was the number one film that year. Wow.
2: Yeah, like, have you watched it recently? I haven't in the last like five ten years, but so I do remember was, the last time the I watched Gutenberg,
1: it. It was Gutenberg. It was Ted Danson, and um who was the third man? It's Tom. Tom Selleck. Selleck. Yeah, yeah, Tom Selleck. Yeah. Why did like Ted Danson's the one that comes like yeah, <laughs> like, like, like you know? Because I watched the Good Place, so I'm like so Ted Danson's always constantly in my mind, but it's like he was the lesser of the three at the time, right? You know? Like.
2: Yeah. But what's interesting to me, though, is is the fact that, I, I granted, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I feel like it's the last five to ten years. I remember watching it and being like, why were we all so captivated with this back then? I, it's the idea of
1: men just taking care of a baby. like Not I just guess. one man, two man, but three man. Yeah,
2: I'm like, because um, yeah, yeah. I remember it being huge. And yeah. then there was the whole, like, ooh, there's a haunted ghost era. You, you, the kid the kid yeah. thing in there
1: is as, as much as this bullshit, it's still creepy when you see it.
2: Well, yeah, but it's a it's a cardboard cutout. Uh, but it's
1: so, but it's there and it's not. Yeah, it, it's just like it's still creepy, you know. Like, yeah, um, look that up, people. It's not true, but it's still creepy. Um, Good morning, Vietnam. Better or worse? I'm gonna say worse. Better. It was the number four film that year. Really, 23 okay. million. Yeah. I
2: saw that movie in the theater as well, and I like as much as I shouldn't have seen Nightmare on Elm Street three at twelve. Probably, I definitely shouldn't have seen Good Morning Vietnam because I thought I was going in for a comedy, and it was blown away when I saw that movie. I'm like, this is not Mork making funny jokes. Nope. Um, Batteries not included.
1: Worse. Yeah, it was worse. 32 million. Um, Let's see here. What else we got? The Lost Boys. Better or worse?
2: Ooh. I it's feel like that the- was one that popped, though, on video. I feel like it was popular when it came out in the theaters, but not like a huge hit. Mm-hmm. But when it hit video, I remember everybody running it. So yeah. I'm going to say that it did worse. It did
1: 32. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Here. Is there anything else here that's surprising? Ernest Goes to Camp. Better or worse than uh, Nightmare 3? Wow.
2: <sighs> I saw a lot of these in the theater. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say it did worse. It did do worse. Ernest, Ernest Went to Camp
1: only for $23 million. Um, and then um, let's see here. Let's see if something else that will uh, Mash's Universe came out this year. Uh, better uh, or worse, saw than, that in the theater,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, that did worse, okay, yeah. Uh, over the top, better or worse than uh, Nightmare 3. Worse, that's also so. Mash's Universe made 17, over the top made 16. So, th- just <laughs> look at the, I just want, just want to tell you that, like, real quick. So, this I usually only go to like to the top 50, but I started scrolling through, I'm like, this is bad. Um, so number 54 was Jaws 4, The Revenge. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, Project X, the Matthew Broderick film with the the, the, the monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was 61. Um, Born in East L.A., which was the Cheech Marin film, 64. Yeah. Masters of the Universe, 65. Over the top, 68. And 69, Superman fourth Quest for Peace
2: oh man if you're looking into a magic mirror mm-hmm. just think about those three movies for next year because <laughs> i'm not saying that they're going to come up but there's a they good may, chance they may they come, may come up. up
1: so okay a couple more here just real quick and we'll wrap it up um hellraiser better or worse than a uh, nightmare three
2: i feel like it did worse it did
1: do worse it was 14 million uh prince of darkness from uh, mr john carpenter
2: that had to have done worse Yeah, i, it I don't it think it was that also that was...
1: like 14 million plus. Yeah. So all right, last one. Let's see what's what's a good last one here to, to end on. Um, let's see, Dragnet.
2: God, i saw that in the theater too. Uh i'm going to say it did better. It did do better. It was uh their
1: 14th highest grossing film of the year. With uh Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, that uh that box office draw.
2: <laughs> Which is funny because at the time he was the bigger name. Yeah, he
1: was. Fifty-seven million. All right, so then the Boas question Did Dragnet do better or worse than Predator? I'm gonna say it did better. It did worse, Predator fifty nine million. So at okay. least at least we feel better about life. So yeah, so your your top ten, we'll just say for eighty seven, three minute a baby, fatal attraction. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Electric Boogaloo, Good Morning Vietnam, Moonstruck, uh, The Untouchables, The Secret of My Success, Stakeout which no one remembers. I remember Stakeout.
2: <laughs> Did you see the theater? Uh no, but HBO.
1: Yeah. Uh a Lethal Weapon and then The Witches of Eastwick. So you had Cher in the like twice there in the top 10. Look at that. Wow. Yeah. What a time we lived that in. Was not
2: RoboCop 87?
1: Yeah. Uh RoboCop was number 16. Okay. Yeah, I figured you would kind of know that that one did well, so yeah. I didn't want to get into that. Uh, Robocop came in just under La Bamba. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Peter Weller, yeah. Diamond Phillips. Yeah,
1: you know who had the better career? I don't know. Um, Peter Weller. Uh, so, all right, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys for putting up with my rambling about various things as we do here on the show. Uh, so um, next week uh, we'll be uh, doing our year of the knockoff because you you think that you got through October without a knockoff? Jokes on you. It's, it's not, not going to be a treat, it's going to be a trick It's going to be happening um, So we're going to be covering um, I mean, oh, What year did Child's Play come out? Uh, I believe it's 88 um, You're probably right So we're going to be doing Child's Play um, uh, The Brad Dourif uh, uh, Film In which he is a possessed doll um, uh, You know, as you do And then, and then we're going to be covering Dolly Dearest, which I believe came out in 89 So the next year so that's going to be our knockoff. So who would have thought a possessed doll film would have spawn a uh, successful not so successful other film. So
2: and this one you can blame Steve for. So he brought it up and we're going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one it's the one movie that I take credit for apparently. Yeah, the one.
1: So anyway, yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Invasion of the Podcast from com. There'll be a new blog this weekend, I hope. Um so you know, Lord Welland if I can get through some movies, we'll, we'll have a blog post. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Music, wherever you find your podcast. If you want to rate and review us, uh, you want to give us uh, higher ratings because we get along as opposed to just not fighting all the time. You could do that. Or if you feel like that doesn't help the show any, you can also
2: us that way as well. Um, yeah. And Steve, where can people find you? So you can find me at the com, also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, but this weekend, uh, Sunday, the 28th, you can find myself and Ryan Cassandy at the Halloween Flea Market in Cleveland. Uh, we're going to be at the Winchester in Lakewood, uh, and the address is um, 12112 Madison Ave in Lakewood. Um, there's a halloween flea market going on that we're going to be a part of we're going to have artwork prints comics all kinds of cool stuff so come out and see us uh it's from 12 to 6 this sunday
1: yeah perfect and Uh, if
2: you're listening to this after next sunday you missed out
1: yeah it's right by the gorilla on madison and lakewood which is a ice cream spot that's closed for the year however they did uh, just decorate the gorilla for halloween so i noticed that today while driving by
2: is that where you used to where like you'd go there for smoothies or something? Is that what I'm thinking um, of? I don't
1: we went there like once and they it's weird because they would do like ice cream and then also barbecue. Okay. So we did go there once for barbecue. But, the, but there's a there's a large gorilla in front of the place and it has a mask on so I, I appreciate that it's not like not a real gorilla that'd be weird but it's a large gorilla statue that has a halloween mask on because they're close for the season but the, the winchester's okay. right beside it so yeah go go check it out uh support everybody like support these guys um and buy stuff that'd be cool um they'll just go up and just be like oh that looks great and then walk away no buy something you know? and
2: Here's another treat for you, listeners. Um, I may or may not be appearing as a longtime forgotten uh, host of a television show. He's going to be Mark
1: Norton from Norton <laughs> Furniture. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. So, all right, so yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, yeah, have a safe week, and then we will be back next week for our official Halloween episode Talking about child's play and uh Dolly Deers. But in the meantime, I hope your dream powers flight and not just finding bathrooms. That's really that's what I'm hoping. <laughs>